Hey everyone, welcome back to day number six of our Game of the Year discussions. Hooray! Yay! Yay. Uh, as you can tell, probably by the sound quality of this, uh, we are no longer in the same room. No, we're not. Are we? Or, or, or are we, yeah. Uh, I was going to make a joke, but we all fell out and we've not been speaking, so... Um, no, but the truth, of it, the truth of the matter was that it was late when we were doing the original recordings, and so we took a break. Um, and there was a couple of board games, one or two things that we still wanted to play. Um... So we've kind of done that, and we're just going to crack on with what we've got. Um, there is a caveat that we're going to bring in later on, um, and we'll do that when something happens. We're yes. going to talk about something, and then we'll, we'll end up... We, we need to warn you about something. Uh, so we will do that. Um, so we have got a few categories to get through. Shall we just go straight into them? Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, makes, cool. makes sense. Excellent. So um, the first category we've got to discuss today is the Kickstarter game of the year. Yeah. So we've now this is uh, we're giving it to the the game that was kickstarted that came out this year rather than the Kickstarter campaign. Yeah, because otherwise uh-huh. nothing would ever get nominated for it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'd be like, oh. This game got kickstarted this year, but it doesn't release till next year, so maybe it'll be good. Yeah, or if we, you know, if we gave the the award to a Kickstarter campaign, it would it would never get anything because most of the good stuff is I was going to back that, but I wasn't too sure, but I mm-hmm. didn't, and it turned out really good, and I wished I had. Yeah, um. there is a game on this list here that I backed and then backed out of. <laughs> So uh, the nominees of the, the games we've got up for discussion are Tiny Epic Western, Dragon Keeper, The Dungeon, Retreat to Darkmoor, Joking Hazard, Bring Your Own Book, Cat Box, Scythe, and Steal This Game. So I think, first of all, um, Steal This Game, we can actually remove that. Yeah. Um, and I think be the reason is that it never came out. Um, so, Steal This Game, for anyone that didn't know, was a Kickstarter, I think we spoke about it on the podcast, it was a game that, w- it's a micro game, so one of these very small small games, it's going to come out in a postcard, and you can cut all the bits out from a postcard, and the reason the game was made was because of its creators, Ludi Creations, had their booth robbed at Essen, and their cash box was stolen. Oh, so this game came out as a kind of an effort to, you know, gather the community around and see if they could get a, make some money back for basically, you know, losing all that cash at Essen. Uh, yeah. So yeah. the game hasn't come out. A lot of the rewards and things have um, been shipped, but the game itself hasn't come out yet. So yeah. we don't really know if it's good yet. If this cool. was an award for best campaign, though, it would definitely be up there, though. There were some real good yes. deals on Ludi Creation games there. It was basically just oh, a yeah. sale. Yes, yeah, they were, they were basically selling the games at um, convention prices. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Which was yeah. really good. I don't know what tier you backed, but I backed one that got me three games for relatively cheap. Very <laughs> happy with. Yeah, they, unfortunately, I had just come back from Essen and was completely skint, so I, I could only get one game. So, <laughs> but 
Um, so I, I'm just looking now. So what we got here? Um, Catbox. Catbox was another game from Azachen. It was a game that I seen at Essen in 2015, and I tried to pick it up, but it was sold out. Sold out pretty quickly, and then there I forget the company that brought out the Kickstarter this year. Um, an Australian company, and they basically they've bought the license to Catbox to come out, you know, kind of in Australia and Europe. That's cool. Um, so yeah, it, it's a good little game, um, but yeah, it's just a nice little game to have. One has a change games. It's not going to change the world or anything. It's fun to play, uh, and I'm happy to kind of take it up away. Yeah, yeah. That's right. yeah, I've not played it, so I don't know. Yeah. Cool. One that I would say we should probably take off this list is Joking Hazard. Because yeah. I don't think any of us really like it that much. I've literally heard nothing good. Have you not? No, I, I've heard that it's it's more Cards Against Humanity with a different theme. Yeah, it kind of is. Like, I like the, yeah. the twist on it. I like the idea of it. I think uh-huh. it is potentially potentially way more funny than Cards Against Humanity. But also, it doesn't work a hundred percent of the time. Like you know, you uh-huh. you know when you're playing Cards Against Humanity and you have those rounds where everyone's just burning cards and they don't actually fit the question at all and it's not very funny at all. Uh-huh. That's like fifty percent of the rounds in this game. Because in Joker right. Hazard, because of the way it works, where it has you know a random panel, a panel from the judge, and then another panel, you end up with like three pl- or you end up with three places that it could go wrong and not match, basically. Um, and a lot of the time, I found it didn't work. It was just like, here's a panel, here's another panel, it doesn't really fit. Here's another panel, it doesn't really fit either. I guess that's kind of funny, maybe. Uh huh. But then when it hits. Like, when you actually get three in a row that are fucking perfect together, you're like, oh, that is fantastic. Upload that site and have this website right now. That's a comic they would ship, you know? Um, yeah. But it just doesn't hit as much as it should, is how I felt, at least. Yeah, um, pretty much, yeah, what, what you've said, you know, spot on. Uh, it's, it is fun for about 20 minutes, and then... I've, I've kind of I've seen everything it's got to offer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. am checking. Sorry, keep going. Talk about something right. else because I'm <laughs> checking the date of something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No problem at all. Um, well, in that case, let's talk about Tiny Epic Western. So, Tiny Epic Western is another game from Gameland Games. Uh, they've brought out all the Tiny Epic games. They've had Tiny Epic Galaxies, Tiny Epic Defenders, Tiny Epic Kingdoms. If you're yeah. looking for board games on Kickstarter, you would have come across one of these. Um, they've got a new one out at the moment, Tiny Epic Quest, which is uh, it finished about a month ago or so. But Tiny Epic Western is a cross between playing uh, five-card poker, five-card uh, stud poker and uh, a worker placement game. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. quite strange. 
I think I spoke about it in the podcast and I said it, I was struggling to kind of get my head around it a little bit and it was one of those that once I played it and then thought about it the next day it made more sense. Um, I'm happy to remove it from here at the moment because I haven't played enough of it. You know, um, I, you know, it's, it's, there's no nothing bad against the game. No. Yeah, so I will yeah, say you yeah. did get some really nice playing mats with the tier you backed. Oh, oh no! Um, I actually I picked up those playing mats. I um, I met the guys in Germany. Oh, okay. So you okay. didn't actually get those as part of the Kickstarter. Okay. No, no. You could. Um, you could. Uh, there were um, additional extras. Um, yep. that you could yep. add. Um, but I no. I, we bought them when we were in Essen. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. They are still so. very nice, though. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, the quality of all the games are really good. Um, and all the the little extras that they make and and things. So the Tammy Tammy Epic games always seem awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The game so. I was checking actually came out last year, so it's not. All right. <laughs> cool. Um, so I bring your own book is a game that we've spoken about on the podcast a good couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played it as early as last year during the campaign. Yeah, that was the play version of it. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, but the the game eventually came out. It was later on in 2016. Yeah, it was but surprisingly late in 2016, actually. It came out yeah. probably like August or something like that, August, September. Um, like a lot later than I was expecting it to. Um, yeah. But it's it's really good. It's, the game itself is really straightforward is just everyone brings a book with them and someone plays a card and chooses one of two questions on the card and then everyone has to find a line from the book that fits as like an answer to that card basically yeah. so it's kind of like Cards Against Humanity or something similar to that only you're using a book to give your answers rather than you know the selection of random gross cards um, yes yeah and I thought it, I, it worked way better than I expected it to. Like, it was one of those games I went in thinking, oh, this isn't going to work very well. Yeah the, yeah, the first time that we played it was, you know, I think we were doing it to kind of, not humour, but, you know, <laughs> it was, right, okay, I'll go with it. And yeah. there was, you know, and we had a, a real blast. You know, there was Benny laughs all around the table. Um you know, people flipping through the books frantically to find everything, and it it does, it works really, really well. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. I would actually maybe say it should probably stay on this list, at least for now. If yes, because yes. It's, uh, it's one of the most unique ideas I've seen for a board game in a long time. And yes. it's a thing that, well, I say board game, it's not vaguely, barely in the card game, I guess. Um, but it's this kind of thing is the kind of thing that I like watching Kickstarter for, you know? Uh-huh. Like, the yeah. occasional thing that comes up is like, oh, this is... No one would ever publish this, because why would they look at that? That's... That doesn't make... No one would play that. You're crazy. Yeah. Oh, but it's great. Okay, great. <laughs> and then they made this really nice box that looks like a book, and it has, like, a little bookmark and stuff like that in it, and it's just so cool. Yeah. So... 
Yeah, no, I'm happy to keep that on in the mouth. Um, so let's talk about one of the most talked about Kickstarter games of the year. Um, it was, you know, people were could not wait for it. It was one of last year's most anticipated games of this year, and that's um, Scythe. So we spoke yes. about Scythe in the last podcast. Um, yeah, the, the Kickstarter raised over, was it 1.8 million uh, they had so many, they hit every single stretch goal that um, Jamie Stagmeyer had planned for the campaign. Um, but the game itself is just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's one, once the game arrives, and one of the cool things as well is the quality of the game. So the game that you buy, the retail version, is the same version that you got on Kickstarter. There was a, you know, there was a couple of promos extra, extra mm-hmm. but the the core box was the same. If that makes any sense, you know, there was no, yeah, the yeah. Kickstarter version didn't have, you know, um, upgraded components or anything like that. They, um, there were upgraded components that you could buy, you could buy separately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there was no Kickstarter exclusives. I think is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I. I think um, sides should stay on there. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Oh. I've not played enough of it to really judge, like, how great it is. Like, it seems really good from what we played, um, but we yep. didn't finish our game. And yes. since then, I've kind of read the rule book and started a one-player game that I also didn't finish, but that was <laughs> just because I, was, I had other things to do. Um, right. But I also bought a set of metal coins for it, so that's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> that box is really heavy now. It was pretty heavy to start with. No, it's yeah. really heavy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just getting heavier and heavier. Um, cool. Uh, right. So, Dragon Keeper: The Dungeon was a Kickstarter that you originally backed. I did, Kieran. And then, and then for one reason, <laughs> right? Well, that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have spoke about it on the podcast. Yep. Yeah. Um, just a, re- a really simple game, but the production values of it—it it looks really good. The idea that the, you know, the game board is the box, and you build, you know, build it. The entire box is the game world, and it's layered on top of each other, and it's built like a dungeon. It's got various levels and things like that. Um, is really good. Yeah. Um, the gameplay itself is, it's a good game, but there are, it's not original by any stretch of the imagination, so um, you guys would, uh, we played a game that's getting quite a lot of buzz at the moment, which is the Game of Thrones Hand of the King. Yeah. 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 Well, I watched so, it. Yeah. Well, you watched it. But basically, you, you know, you had that tableau, the big square, and um, the various character moves... Um, vertically or, or um, horizontally, whichever way you want, and what, depending on where he's moved and what cards he's passed over, that determines what cards you take into your hand. Yeah. Dragon Keeper is more or less the same thing. Okay. So, you know, they feel very similar. Um, and I, yeah, I, I really like Dragon Keeper. Um, I've played it as two player and a four player, and it it's you know it gets a good reaction every time it's being played. 
and that miniature, that dragon miniature, man. It is one yeah. I was slightly bummed out that we didn't kind of have time, really, to play last time I was over. Because, um, again, it is one that I originally backed and was like, I, I want this. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was uh, It was also funny as well, because the game, when we seen it at Essen, it wasn't one of the... I didn't walk past it and go, ah, oh, shit, that's that Kickstarter. Uh, we walked past it and we seen people playing it and it looked quite cool and we were looking for something to play and there was a free table. Mm-hmm. We walked in and I'd said to, to Anne, you know, oh, there's a, a game with a dragon in it. You fancy having a look at that? Oh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> and, yeah, we we sat down and played it and that was it. Sweet. You know, so it was, it, was an, it was a happy accident and it was only once we came back and... I think it was actually during one of the podcasts that we were recording, and I was talking about it, and you went, oh, that's actually a Kickstarter. Yeah. It was one of those things where, like, when you mentioned it, I was like, I don't remember that name. That's Maybe I'm just getting confused with Dungeon Keeper. Maybe I'm just going crazy. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and then I went and looked at, like, my backed Kickstarters, because it shows you the ones that you cancel still yes, in yeah. that list. And I went and looked at it, and I was like, oh, is that game okay? Yeah. Um, so I'm. I, I think maybe keep that on on here at the moment because um, we've got one more game just to talk about. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah. I think it's probably what the one is going to end up falling off here, um, which is Retreat to Darkmoor. Right. Which is a really cool Kickstarter that I backed a while ago, mainly because it was cheap. <laughs> it was one of those ones I backed that, and uh, oh god, what was it? The one I think me and you both backed it, Mike. Uh, is it Quest of Valeria? Something of Valeria? Oh, yes. One yes, of the Valeria yes. games, because they made like four of them in Kickstarter like all this year. Um, yes. But yeah, I backed around then mainly because it's cheap. But it's also it's a cool uh, little four-player game, kind of fillery game, that is a... It combines kind of features of some of my favourite games. So each player has uh, a deck of... Uh, monsters. Each deck is the same, but you shuffle them so you get them out of different orders from everyone else. Yep. And then you put down locations uh, similar to something like Smash Up. Uh-huh. Um, and every turn you place a monster at one of the locations to queue them up outside of it. So it's kind of like Smash Up, but you're building this queue from right to left uh, going across. And it, every single monster has an ability. It is usually something to do with rearranging the queue. Yeah. And then they also have a, like a, I forget what they call it, but they have like a, a number at the top that is like kind of their um, intimidation. And the higher that gets, the more likely they are to basically let people enter the location. And once you're in the location, you're safe. But once the number hits that there's uh, a hero unit kind of similar to Bustbuster that is right, near right, okay. and when you're when the number of, of everything queued in the location reaches whatever this hero unit is looking for he will show up and just murder whoever is at the back of the queue like that last card is always gone so it's this kind of tug of war where you're trying to have the most cards going into the location because you get extra victory points if you're the one that has like the, the strongest amount. You have the control of that area. But also, yeah. you don't want to be the last one. You don't want to be the one to push everything over because you 
don't retreat into the place until the hero comes and starts murdering people. So you want to be the one, you want to push everyone in, but you don't want to be the one to trigger it. So you're rearranging everything, and you're like, oh, I'm going to trigger this, but I can move your guy to the back of the queue, so your guy's going down for the mine, or, you know, I've got this that makes me invincible during this, etc., etc. Um, and it's just a cool little, uh, like, kind of little game that you're, it's just, I don't know, it's cool. A lot cool. of trade thought there, but it's cool. Um, <laughs> Is, but it feels like a combination of some of my favourite games, which I think is part of the reason why it kind of appeals to me. Like, the uh, the different dungeons that you're kind of queuing up at are basically ripped from Smash Up. The, right. Uh, or even that uh, Draco Magi game that me and Paul both played a while ago. Um, yeah. The queuing mechanic, which is not the only game to have queues in it, but it's kind of the one that I've played tons of because... You bought it for me a while ago, Mike. Which is Guillotine. Yeah. <laughs> which I love Guillotine, and it is very similar to that in that way. And then the hero, like drawing the hero out to attack people and stuff like that, is very similar to something like Boss Monster. Like it's just this combination of like a few mechanics from games I really like that um, I hadn't played for a while. It sat in my shelf for a while, but I actually got to play it just over New Year there, and. It works really well. Like it works a lot better than I expected it to. Like it meshes all those things together and manages to lose a lot of the kind of detriments that those other games have. Um, yeah. Like it has some issues of its own, but we've only played two players, so I want to see. I think those will probably, like some of the things will probably go away when it scales up to more players. Um, uh-huh. But as a two-player game, it ends up this kind of nice tactical thing where you're both trying to just fuck each other over. Um, but yeah, it's it's just really cool. I like it, but I also don't know if I like it as much as Scythe or Bring Your Own Book or Dragon Keeper. Right. So I'm willing to cut off this list and have those be our three. Cool. Yeah, that works for me. Cool. I just wanted to make sure God is is due because <laughs> it's actually a really cool game. Cool. Excellent. So, um. Yeah, our three is, like you said, Dragon Keeper, Bring Your Own Book, and Scythe. So I I really like all three of these. Really, really good. Um, I think clearly we should just give this based on weight, though. <laughs> like, Scythe's definitely um, one, it's because it's the heaviest. Yes. Well, it's the heaviest one <laughs> in a while. <laughs> uh, um, heavy. Yeah, I think... I think it's the, in terms of, you know, the, the gameplay and something that's maybe unique, different, uh, it's size and, and bring your own book. You know, Dra- Dragon Keeper is, like I said, lovely little game, mm-hmm. but it's something we've seen before. Uh, bring your own book is Cards Against Humanity, but it's got that twist of, well, instead of your answers being like you said in a smutty little white card, it's on the book. It, it the answers in the book of your yeah. choice. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's also you know, it doesn't. So. Bring your own book also doesn't really uh, work quite as well as Cards Against Humanity in that way of you can play Cards Against Humanity with anyone. Like uh-huh. I played Cards Against Humanity with my girlfriend's parents before. Like you yeah. know, yes. Like anyone that you know isn't going to get actually super offended, and you, even if they do, they're probably still going to find it kind of funny. Um, yeah. bring your own book is like if a couple of people come over and you're like oh let's play some games 
you'd be like, oh, okay, well, do, do you by any chance bring books with you? No? Oh, you've got Kindle. That doesn't really, it doesn't really work the same. You can't really our Kindle. Um, it doesn't matter. We can't play it. You know, it's... Or when yeah. you guys came over, we picked random books off of uh, our bookshelf for you to use, Mike. Um, yeah, well, but, I mean, that was that was fine, though. I think um, Bring Your Own Book is for a specific audience. So it's for people that have, you know, that, that have read or, or still read books, you know. Yeah. Um, so the, the book that... I'd really um, hope that is ever... Idea. Yeah, <laughs> like yes, people yes. who have read or will read or do read books is everyone but, in the world. <laughs> Sadly, there are actually people out there who don't read books at all. So, um, but yeah, so you know, for example, the what I'm trying to get at is it works better with people who are avid readers. No, oh, yeah, yes. I, I get that, yeah, people that are more likely to be carrying a book with them at any given time. Or yeah, to have I'll, read I'll, some of the stuff on your your shelves. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. You know. So uh, the book that, that Leanne gave me, I hadn't read, but I had, I, I knew of the book and I'd seen, I'd seen the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. So it gave you an idea of what to, what to kind of look for, um, yeah. because it was one of those where the book was quite a good adaption of the film. I, the other way around, the film was a good adaption <laughs> of the book. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I really do like it. Um, I do also I think, think Scythe actually does win. <laughs> yeah, I think Scythe is, is my favourite there. Yeah, it seems so, super cool. The The rules for single player seem, like, incredibly fleshed out. Um, like, they put a lot of... Well, I say they put a lot of effort into it. They shipped it out to someone who would put a lot of effort into it. <laughs> um, yeah. Because uh, Automa... Automa? Automa Games... Uh, yes, the the single player format, um, yeah. which is great. You know what? If there's people out there that are willing to, you know, for a fee, obviously, design single player rules for your game, let them do it because they're probably pretty good at it. Yeah, and it's you know it's not just you know a whole set of rules that they bring. They make extra components. Uh, yeah, for you to be able to play that. So. Yeah. Um, Automa Factory have also done a solo play for another uh, Stormire game, which is uh, Between Two Cities. Mm-hmm. And again, it comes with quite a, a chunky book yeah. that, that you know, tells you how to play single player, and a whole load of resources. That's cool. I would quite like to try you know, single player as well. Yeah. Um, I, when I first seen it, it was a little bit overwhelming, and I thought, oh... <laughs> I'll just I'll just wait till Kieran comes and I'll play that. <laughs> you know, so I never actually looked into the single player that much. Yeah. But going uh, playing Scythe as a single player and using Automa's resources and stuff there, um, it made me. If they can do that to Scythe and make it very very easy for you to play a single player, then yeah. to do it with a simple game like Between Two Cities, I'd imagine. You know it. It's actually making me look forward to having a go at it. Um, And even with uh, Between Two Cities, they have given it to... um, There's two variants. So you can play it quite simple, or if you want, you can give the the Automa a a bit more uh, of an AI, like like an AI skill set. Um, So, yeah, it's... 
you know, they put a lot of work into it. So, it, yeah, it's really cool that... No, no, on you go. I think the whole Automa system kind of reminds me of things like, uh, uh, like Kingdom Death Monsters and uh, that Dark Souls game that was getting kickstarted recently and that yeah. kind of stuff where yeah. they have that kind of that AI deck basically for yes. the monsters that you're fighting, but a bit more in depth because it's running a whole game basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So our uh, Kickstarter game of the year is Scythe with uh, runners-up being Bring Your Own Book and Dungeon Dragon Keeper the Dungeon. <laughs> You're what's called a Dungeon Keeper. I, I, I nearly, I nearly Almost. did. Almost. So, uh, an expansion called The Dragon. I really hope it did. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. So, um, next game that we have, uh, or next category, um, has two names. Yes. It's also very contentious as well. So it has two names. Uh, the The name that Kieran gave it, which is the best weird Japanese thing, and I thought, oh, well, that may be a bit politically incorrect, so um, we, we're uh, going to call it the best weird Japanese thing, or the beast from the east. I don't think that's any less... <laughs> any, no, it's, any, it's any not. Any more politically correct, sorry. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> um, yeah. I like weird Japanese things. I met in an entirely loving way. <laughs> Yeah, some of them are very weird. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> um, the nominees are Deep Sea Adventure, Insider, Who Soiled the Toilet, Katak, Number One, Stray Cats, Cat Town, The Perfumer, Cat Box, and Dog Eagle. It's a good cool. list. I'm just swinging my hat straight in there for who soiled the toilet, purely because of the premise. <laughs> so, we can talk about who soiled the toilet quickly. Um, who soiled the toilet is a it's a resistance Avalon clone. It's basically what it is. You've got it played with um, five people or more, and. Uh, You've got two secret teams. You've got the clean freaks and the I don't know what I can't remember what they call them. The dirty bastards, or basically the clean freaks want to keep the toilet clean. The dirty bastards want to shit all over the place. Um, hey. And a bit basically, um, there's a game master, or so he's like the is it the king in Resistance yeah. or Avalon? Yes, and he chooses who goes on the mission. Um, And he's also part of, you know, one of the secret teams as well. But he picks the people to go on the mission. Um, And it is, it's like resistance. So the people go on the mission, uh, but in Who Saw the Toilet, each person on their turn will go to the toilet. um, And what you're meant to do is the, the toilet card, you should yes. actually take it out the room and put it in your toilet. So people leave the room, they go to the toilet, they look at the card, and they, if it's clean and they want it, they, they want to keep it clean, they can keep it clean, or they can flip it to the dirty side. Yes. Um, so, you know, everyone goes and does that. When they come back, uh, or the, the last person comes back, he brings the toilet card with him and he uncovers it so everyone can see what it is. And that's it. It's it is resistance with a, a weird Japanese toilet theme. Yeah. 
Um, the game comes, the game comes wrapped in toilet paper. Um, and there's another, there's like a little bit of a dexterity game to break up the, the kind of resistance style game. Um, so after you've done sort of three rounds of the resistance style stuff, then you're flipping these little brown chips into the box, into the toilet. <laughs> so you want to be as accurate as possible to get them into the toilet and not in and around the toilet, because if you get them yeah. in and around the toilet, then the toilet is dirty. But you could be doing it on purpose, depending on your um, your faction that you're on. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. it, it it kind of encompasses everything that we were thinking that that we think of when we think about you know the weird little Japanese games, the, the quirky Japanese games. Mm-hmm. Um, it come encompasses everything there. Um, but yeah, it. If you were being a naysayer, it is, it's a resistance call. We also haven't yeah. played it. <laughs> no, we, we haven't as well. <laughs> it's also a good, um, we didn't necessarily, you know, put stipulation on this category to say that it had to be games we played. It was just kind of best weird thing. <laughs> weird Japanese thing. Um, and it is definitely yes. an incredibly cool, weird thing. I don't know if we can say yeah. it's the best, given we haven't actually played, played it. Played it. Yeah. So, um... We can. I don't know if you want to take it off or you want to leave it there at the time being. I could leave it there for time being, but this is a very contentious category. Yes. Yeah. So, um, Catbox is here as well. We spoke about Catbox uh, for the Kickstarter game, so it's an Aza Chen game, um, little card game, and it's got little cats all over the place as well. Um, uh, Aza Chen is. It's not Japanese. It's um, so one of the reasons that I thought I changed the name of the category to Beast from the East is not all of the games are from Japan. Per se, they're from the East. You know, some of the games are from Taiwan. Some of the games are from uh, Hong Kong, and kind yeah. of so you know that kind of the East part of the world. Yeah, that's true. Um, so uh, yeah, um, Catbox, but also another game from Azure Chen that's here as well is Doggy Go. So Doggy Go was it's um it came out in 2013 I think it was originally in Taiwan um but it's just hit uh America and Europe and the rest of the world this year Doggy Go is a a sequel as such to Kitty Paw which was a game that we spoke about last year it was one of the games I brought back from Essen uh yeah uh, it's another dexterity game. So Aza Chen does all these cute little games about animals, and a lot of them are dexterity games. Uh, Doggy Go is the exact same thing as Kitty Paw, except with um, instead of people competing to build different uh, different puzzles, you are all pe- uh, this time you're all building. You're building. Oh no, I've got it wrong. You're building the, you're, you're all building different puzzles, but you're using the exact same building blocks, and you're not clamoring for building blocks. When it starts, you have all the tools that you need, so all the little um, squares and boxes and things. Everyone has the exact same set of seven pieces, and then three cards get flipped over, and you decide which one of those you're going to build. Um, okay. Yeah, it's um, it's a little dexterity game. Uh, and uh, I think 
there are much better games on the list. It's good fun, but there are much better games on the list. So I would be happy with taking off Catbox and Doggy Cool. Cool. I was also about to add a game to the list to make this even harder. Oh, Oh, right. Because I realized there was a kind of big game missing from this, which is Mask of Anubis. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we've talked about Mask of Anubis on the podcast before, but it's a combination of kind of tile laying, uh, like, game where you're kind of building up a, a little dungeon, but the way you're choosing where to place things to build up this little dungeon is that there's an app you put in your phone, you take a big chunk of cardboard out of the box and then fold it up into a VR headset, place your phone in it, and then people take turns going into the dungeon in VR and describing what they see. And it's this cool little cooperative game, and I really enjoyed it when we played it. It was another one of those things that I didn't think would work that well, and then it turns out it was really good. Yeah, yeah. I I really like Mask of Anubis. I was the, the same as you. I thought it'd be quite cool, um, and it'd be a nice little thing to have and show people and things. But the game works really, really well. It does. It does. So it's it's another one of those games that when we played it, um, and it's always a good sign to me when the people that you're playing with it that you finish one game and they say, right, okay, another round. Yeah. Let's go again. <laughs> but, oh, no, um, this is practice. It's warm-up. It's like, this is a fun warm-up. <laughs> yeah, but it was just a warm-up, so... Yeah. Um, and I, especially, um, I, I normally take it as a really good sign when um, when Anne, my wife, or your girlfriend, Leanne, when the, if it's one of those two that have said it, yeah. I, you know, that I, I go, right, okay, well, this must be really good. Mm-hmm. Um because they're quite happy to sit and spend a whole day playing different games and things like that. But, um, you know, occasionally there'll be something and they, they want to play it again and again. Yeah. And usually, like, Master the newest one. Call it the new thing. Show me the new thing. But yeah, <laughs> something that really strikes her. She's like, yeah, let's do it again. Let's keep going. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, I am happy to leave that on here for now. Yeah, I think it should stay on here because uh, it's such a cool thing. Cool. Um... Yeah. Cool. There is a... So, if you cast your mind back to when we read through this list, there is a lot of cat games on here. There's a lot of cat games. <laughs> There's a lot of cat games. Yeah, so, um, two of them, um, Stray Cats and Cat Town. Um, I haven't... I, I've managed to play kind of a single player of one of them, just to, you know, get the rules ready so that we could play it and then we never got a chance to play it on the day. Um, so Stray Cats is a a game that's a tile-laying game where you're playing with four players and you're playing as cats that have forgotten where they live, where they live. So they're trying to find, out, find their house. And what they're doing is um, you navigate this map of tiles and you go to your house and... Uh, Everyone will, I think it's the person on the right, holds the, the, the key to, the, to that person's um, house. There's three pieces of information that you need for your house. You need to know if your house is a double story or a single story, whether it has a garden and whether it has what color the roof was, I think it was. Yeah. So yeah. three pieces of information that you need. So if we were playing, Kieran, you would hold my information and I would hold Paul's information. Okay. Okay. Um, 
So uh, what would happen is, Paul, you go to a house. So there's uh, all different houses on the board. And you go to a house with a blue door. Uh, sorry, a, a blue roof. And uh, you ask me, do I have any anything to show you? And if I... If you have a, if your house does indeed have a blue roof, I will yeah. give you the card that has a blue roof. Okay, cool. Right, and then, but then you still don't know whether it's a single story or a double story, or whether it has a garden or whether it has a fence. Mm-hmm. So you're then still going around and you're you're trying to find out. And uh, the only way you will find out is uh, when you find the last card, you will actually be at that house. You will be at the correct house. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it's quite cool. Um, they're really super cute pieces. The the player pawns are these little wooden bases, and they have these tiny little balls of fur glued on top of them like their cat sleeping. Yeah. Um, so really cool, um, but I think we can remove it mainly because you know I haven't had to a chance to play it in its proper setting. So I think we can do that. And then Cat Town, Cat Town is really cool. One of the reasons that uh, I picked it up was it looked it looks absolutely gorgeous. It's got like a postcard as playing mats, and the meeples are. Little cats and little mice. Yeah, they're really cool. Uh, yeah, they are. But, they are. But um, that's about all I can tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, cool to mention it. Um, you know, these games you should be able to. There are a few retailers um, that I've seen both of these games actually in um, a shop in uh, a, in Manchester. We were uh, visiting uh, my wife's family in uh, Man- the Manchester area and popped into a game shop, and the guys actually had some of these games. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So um, they are available, yeah, so um, maybe have a look for Stray Cats and Cat. So say, yeah, she goes to Manchester. Yes. It's <sighs> a long way to go to buy cat games. It but is. totally worth it. <laughs> cool. Um, so let's talk about some deep sea adventure. I really like deep sea adventure. Yes. I have not played it. Have you? I thought you had. No, I've not played it. Uh, huh. Yeah, Paul couldn't make it past fourteen. Do you remember? Oh right, yeah. Yeah. No, I have not played deep sea adventure. Deep sea adventure is really good. It's an oink game. It's the most gamey of the oink games. Um, rather than just being a kind of little party game, it's an actual kind of board game with mechanics and stuff. Um, yeah. Which is good to see oink do. I mean, not that they haven't before. Like, Mask Men, for example, is incredibly complicated, that kind of thing. But I think yeah. it's the one that kind of strikes the balance the most well of being really simple to play, but also deep enough that it actually feels, you know, like a proper game. Yeah, um, and it's every uh, player is trying to dive from a submarine as deep as they can go, picking up treasure. But every time they pick up treasure, they start using up more air, and 
you roll dice to move, and you have to roll an extra one. Basically, you have to take one off whatever you roll for every bit of treasure you're carrying. So, you know, if you end up carrying three bits of treasure, you're barely ever going to be moving. Um, and everyone hops over each other to travel. So, if you're the last one to move, you can sometimes get way further down than everyone else. And then everyone has to get treasure and rush back up to the submarine. And if you run out of air, you die. Yeah. And you can be a dick and just start picking up all the treasure if you know <laughs> that you're not going to make it back to the submarine time. Because that means you use up more air every turn. And it means that everyone else is running back to the submarine might also drown. Yeah, mm. it's, <laughs> it is amazing because you've got this... It is essentially a game of chicken. Yeah, it is 100% a game of chicken. You know, you... You're all taking your turn and you're waiting for one person to either pick up a piece of treasure or to turn around and say, I'm going back. Yeah. It kind of reminded and me of um, Celestia, but for dicks. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, I think it's um, definitely one of my favourite games on this list. Yeah, I think it's definitely stay. I think it's definitely a top three kind of game. Yeah. Cool. Um, but the other Oink game on here, I don't necessarily think is, um, which is Insider. Um, I do really like Insider. I really like uh-huh. every Oink game that I've played. Um, but I just don't think it holds up next to these other games. Um, so we talked about Insider what? before. I think we talked about it in the last yeah. podcast. Possibly. We did, we did. That we recorded yes. a while ago. Um, but it's uh, a kind of hidden role game where one player is the insider and one other player is the game master and everyone else is just kind of trying to... They're just there. They're just kind of people. And the game master tells everyone to close their eyes, flips a card off the top of the deck and each card has like eight words on it or something like that and then yep. they look at the back of the, the the card that is now the top of the deck which will have a number on it and that number tells them which of the, the words on the card that they flipped over they have to remember and basically people have to try and guess what that word is but then they close their eyes and the insider looks and so the insider also knows what it is but no one knows who the insider is and then the game master puts everything back. They, and they, everyone opens their eyes, and then everyone basically has to play twenty questions asking the game master what the word is, or you know, questions that would lead to the word. Yeah. And the insider is trying to kind of steer the conversation yeah. towards it. Was it yeah. No, no. I said he's uh, he's trying to manipulate the ans- uh, the group to come yeah. to the answer. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is weird because I mean it's one of the few kind of um, hidden role games I've played where the you know the hidden role's goal is to help people. Usually it's like yeah. oh I'm trying to you know like fake artist get away without people <laughs> knowing that I don't know this or you know every other thing almost every other hidden role game is I'm a murderer and trying to get away with it. <laughs> Or I'm a traitor <laughs> and trying to get away with it. That kind of thing. Um, yeah. But Insider is the first hidden role game i played where the hidden role player only wins 
if everyone else wins. Or if everyone else, you know, wins what is ostensibly the main part of the game. Um, which is cool. But I also don't think it holds up against most of the other things on this list. Yeah. Alright, no, that's fair enough. Yeah. Cool. Um, cool. So, uh, then, I, I'm just trying to see, is there anything that we haven't spoken about yet? Uh, we haven't spoken about the Perfuma, which we have spoken about in the podcast before, and the Perfuma was, it was an, again, it was one of those games that we never got a chance to get to the table for, yeah. for you to do when you were down to get yeah. a look at it. Um, it's, yeah, I don't really know how, how it plays at all. Yeah, it plays alright. It's, you know, um, it's a very, very bog standard, very, very simple worker placement game. You are placing pieces on the board to gain things that you need, and you're going to use those things to get victory points. You're using them to buy victory points. Yeah. That's it. First person to a certain number of victory points. Uh wins plain and simple and then it has this added deduction game on where you're scratching and sniffing cards to figure out the, the identities of certain saints um, uh, and yeah it's a pleasant little game it, it's really good um, it's really cool uh, so that people can see what board games can become with you know using various technologies and, and yeah. uh, certain innovations and things um, I am happy to actually remove it from this list because I think there are better games out there, I really like what it does with the, the whole scratch cards and things but we have got another category where it fits in there yeah. better I think. I think it was a good year for I guess innovations is a nicer way of putting it, but I'd also say gimmicks. Let's be gimmicks, honest. yes. Like, there was a yes. lot of cool gimmicks in games this year. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've yeah. not played Perfumer, Perfumer yet, but I do like it. The idea of scratch and sniff cards being a main <laughs> component of the game is like that. Yes. Insane. That's yes. It's just fantastic. Super, super 90s. Everyone um, loves scratch. Everyone loves scratch and sniff. <laughs> oh, man. So. Uh, that cool. means there's only one game this list that we've not talked about yet, then. Yes. Which is Katak number one, which I have now played between the recording of the last podcast and this podcast. Yay! That game's legitimately really good. Yes. I was kind of worried that it was just going to be, like, I asked you to pick it up for me, at Essen solely based on how it looked, because it looks really <laughs> cute and cool. It has one of the nicest boxes I've ever seen. Like, where it's got this little Japanese kind of comic cat thing, like, all around the box, like, telling a little story, probably. I don't know, it's in Japanese. But <laughs> it's super cool. And then the actual game works really well. Um, I don't know, yeah. do you want to describe this one, Mike? Because I know you've <clears> played it for me. Um, yeah, I can do. So, Katak uh, is um, Cat Volleyball. Uh, it's a game where you're playing with... Uh, four players and it, it's a team game so you know two against two you can play a uh, two player as well mm-hmm. um, yeah. but, right so but essentially what it is is you somebody serves the ball one team will serve the ball 
and it is it's volleyball played with cards. So uh, the ball gets served to um, the opponent, and it ends in you have a your court is divided into four spaces. You've got two rows of cat. Is it two or three rows of cats? It's, uh, two, two, two rows of three. Yeah, two rows of three. Yep, you've got two rows of three cats, and um, the ball gets served and it lands in your opponent's back line. So they've got three cats, and you decide which light, which cat it's going to sit on. Um, then to, for them to hit the ball back, they play cards from the hand. They only have uh, three cards in their hand to start with, and the the cards are basically movement directions for the ball. So it will t- say the ball moves forward in a straight line one space, or it can move two spaces, uh, or it can go to the side, or you can choose it to, uh, instead of going diagonally, it can just move horizontally uh, or vertically, whichever way you want it to go. Um, And you can also get it to move backwards as well, so you can hit the ball backwards. Uh, Basically, you've got three turns between the two players on that side. Within three, uh, playing three cards, they have to get the ball over to the opponent's side of the net. Um, if they do it with three cards, that would normally be, if you've ever seen volleyball, you know, somebody will set the ball, that will land to somebody else, they set it to the third person, and the third person spikes it. So there, there is spiking in this card game as well. And the way that happens is, um, so normally when the ball goes to your opponent's side, then they get to play their three cards. But if you've done the spike... Um, the first card is your pick. So yeah. you pick a random card from their their hand, yeah. and that, that becomes the card. And sometimes you might get lucky, and it'll be, you know, it'll knock you out, out of place. Yeah, it'll be the head of backwards um, out of the map or something like that. Yes, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's really, it's really cool. That's it. Um, like it, and it, has, it has some really cool mechanics that I really like, like... Um, the way that you replenish your hand. Like, the only things you ever actually draw back up to a full hand is when someone scores. Other than uh-huh. that, every time your opponent uh, moves the ball, like plays a card to hit the ball left, right, forward, back, whatever, every time they hit the ball and it doesn't come back over to your side, you draw uh-huh. a card. So, yes. if they instantly, like, straight away push it forward, back over the net, you get nothing. But if they push it to the right, because that's all they had, or because the other person in their team has, you know, a two forward and they want to try and push it as far back as possible, then you get to draw a card. And so it's just this cool little mechanic of, you're trying to figure out both the fastest way to get it across the net, because you know, you, one, only have three cards to play, and two, you don't want your opponent getting more cards again. But also, uh-huh. you want to find the best way to get it across that kind of helps you. Um, so the other thing that happens is when someone scores a point, uh, the player who didn't, the player who lost that round, gets to put a sleepy cat token on one of their rear <laughs> cats, so one of the yeah. back three, uh, which means that that space is just empty basically. That cat's asleep on the job. If the ball goes there, they drop it. You know. Yeah. And so. It becomes this thing, and if it's played that, you start aiming the ball there. It's like, well, that one's asleep, so I'm going to start trying to hit it over there, because I get a point if I do that. Um, 
and it's surprisingly in depth and surprisingly cool. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, yes, I, I really liked it. I think it should stay on the list. I uh, so, so much so that I think we should remove Who Saw the Toilet. Despite okay. being Paul's choice. Yes, yeah. Um, and I, he hasn't played any of these games. <laughs> I haven't played any of these, so I have to pick one. And Who Saw the Toilet just sounded fantastic. Uh, it's actually the only one none of us have played. It does sound yes. fantastic, though. I, yeah. Almost asked Meg to pick it up for me. I think the pre-orders were done or something like that. Is the only reason it didn't. Yes, um, yeah, it actually sold out. Yeah, it sold out answer very quickly. Answer everyone's question. The answer is me. <laughs> um, so I think maybe what we should do is we should do um, we'll, we'll record a run through of it. That's a good um, idea, actually. I'd put it on the site, actually. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So that leaves us uh, with a three of Deep Sea Adventure, Attack Number One, and Mask of Anubis. Yes, Uh, I'm going to plump for probably Mask of Anubis in this one. But I know I'm, I know I've not played any of them, and just purely for the premise of it using the the VR kind of phone. Thing. Well, I think you didn't. You get a shot, didn't I? I let you I get did. a shot of the VR. Yeah, I got a shot of the VR section of it, and for that reason, that's that's where I'm going to chuck my hat in the ring. Yeah, the VR section is actually also really well made. It's not just like some thing that someone shot out of Unity. It's actually like a really nice looking mobile game. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, you 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 get to the point though with um, Mask of Anubis though. Is uh, you know you're looking around and like the the little the little dog, the little dog looks fantastic in VR, but the the component for the dog, yeah, it, yeah. it looks like a melted toffee. It's awful. It's horrible. <laughs> um, but it, it is it's, it's, it's the the little components there, and I think we had quite a laugh about that. You know, um, like, I'm pretty sure it was my girlfriend pulled that out of the box, and she's like, oh. What's What's this thing? You're like, oh, that's a dog. <laughs> like, what? what are you talking about? That's not a dog. <laughs> You're crazy. Yeah. Um, but it it kind of adds to its charm as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like it. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel weird about this three, about picking another one for me, just because I feel like Deep Sea Adventure is probably the best game on this list. I think I yeah. like Katak the most. And then Mask of Anubis is kind of the coolest. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of thinking the exact same here. It's, yeah, so I can um, go with any of them, really. Yeah, I also I, think Mask of Anubis will kind of get its props later, because yeah. the game is very simple. Um, and in a way yeah. that I think it's got enough little puzzles that are going to be, you know, you can play it quite a lot and it'll be cool. Yeah. But it does also have a kind of set number of puzzles. Yes. Um, although it does have a randomised thing as well. It, it has got a randomizer as well, yes. Did they ever add additional difficulties to that? Because I, I remember people saying when it first came out that the randomizer was only for, I think it's like regular difficulty puzzles or something like that. Um, they have, re- they, yes, so they have got challenges. Okay. So they, so they have know. added, yeah. Yeah, they, they keep, up, you know, um, adding challenges. Not challenges, but adding more if you want to play at a more difficult level. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. That was my one complaint, so I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Deep Sea Adventure is the most gamey of the games. Uh-huh. Well, no, actually, no. Katak is... Uh, Katak is decept- deceptively deep. For something yeah. that has, like, a, yeah. a one-page, like, four-step rule process. Yes, yeah. Um... I really, I really liked it as well. Um, oh God, I don't know. Normally, normally one of us is, you know, has a, a clear thought. But yeah, I am like you. I really like all three of these. Um, Mask of Anubis. I think I would agree that it will get props and it will get mentioned a little bit later on as well. So either Deep Sea Adventure or Mask of it or Catac um, Number One. Um, I think I'm going to go with Deep Sea Adventure. Yeah, I can see that. No, wait. Paul, you said Mask of Anubis, right? I said Mask of Anubis. I go for Katak number one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think... I, I, I did, he... <laughs> I mean, let's be honest here. The real winner is Katak, because it's already number one. <laughs> yeah, it says right at the end, number one. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I, yeah, I think DC Adventure is the best game on this list. Like, it's... It's not my favourite on the list, necessarily. Like, I do love it. I think it was great. And I uh-huh. need to pick a, a copy of it, actually, now that I think about it. Um, but Cat Out Number 1 is still probably, like, my favourite of those I've played. But, uh, yeah, DT Adventure, I think. Cool. Excellent. Done. So our uh, best weird Japanese thing of the Beast from the East for this year is Deep Sea Adventure, with the runners-up being Tank Number 1 and Mask of Anubis. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, so next up, we've got expansion of the year. So this should be quite quickly. We can talk through these. Um, so the expansions of the year uh, to consider are Mystic Veil, Veil of Magic, Dead yep. Winter, The Long Night, Time Stories, A Prophecy of Dragons, uh, also from the Time Stories Under the Mask scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we've got Two Thunderbirds, Expansions above and beyond and Tracy Island, uh, Seven Wonders Duel Pantheon, and Scythe Invaders from Afar. So here's a question for you: a standalone expansion, is it an expansion and should it be considered in this category? If it has expansion in the description, yeah. Yeah, but if it's standalone, then it's not technically an expansion. Can you mix it in with the base game to make it? A- more of a yes, you, yes, you can. Then I would say it's an expansion. Yeah, it's an expansion. If you can't mix it with the base game, then it has to go. Right. So, um, Dead of Winter the Long Night is a standalone expansion for the game. You can pick it out of the box and play Dead of Winter. Okay? If you wish, you can bring in the characters and events from the previous game and mix them in with it. You can take the uh, because the, it uses the same locations, you can take the items that are hidden in each of the locations and add that to the existing, you know, to the new ones. Yeah. Um, so you can mix and match the two to your heart's content. So it is an expansion, but it also works as a standalone game. I was trying to yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. It, it is a weird one because it does seem to have, like, equal amount of content almost to the base game, but... It d- yes, yeah, it does. But I, I, you, I would still count it. 
Yeah. Um, we, I, I have played it, and but I have played it, you know, on its own. Um, I, I played the, the Long Night expansion, well, the Long Night game. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, you know, we didn't bring in anything from the other ones. Yeah. Um, I, I still think it's a fantastic piece of, um, not marketing, but just a, it's a fantastic piece of kit because it has got the entire original game in it. The, the only difference is that some of the characters are not used. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, cool. There's also another one that should maybe be added on here. Yes, um, yeah. Smash Up, It's Your Fault. That came out this year. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yes, yeah, so Smash Up, It's Your Fault, and Smash Up, Cease and Desist. Okay, so Smash Up, It's Your Fault, and Smash Up, Cease and Desist. Okay. So, they're probably... Um, I was going to talk about uh, Mystic Veil, and we could probably lump Mystic Veil and the two smash-ups all in the one, because at the end of the day, they're just more cards. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, they um, Mystic Veil is good because it adds more cards to a, a box game that once you play it once or twice, you feel that it does need those more cards. Mm-hmm. You know, it does meet. It needs more cards, otherwise it's going to get stale. Yeah. Um, Smash up. We we love Smash up. We love all the factions and seeing crazy new factions appear is just great. Yeah. But yeah, um, in terms of being the expansion of the year for any three of those, I don't think so. No, I will say that um, the only time I played Mystic was with the expansion in it. Yes, and it. It felt like a lot of cards. <laughs> I get rid of a lot of cards. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. You know. cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I also haven't played any of these other ones, so they no, neither have I. So this is entirely a Mike picks his favorite category. <laughs> I also asked okay. uh, Mike you. I think you haven't had a chance to play the uh, Betrayal of House in the Hell expansion. No, I have not. Um, that is a fantastic, uh, a fantastic expansion, though, because it adds fifty new haunts, fifty new scenarios. Yeah, yeah, um, it, it seems really cool. But on on paper, it would be my favorite expansion. Yeah, you know. It would be my pick um, for the year. Uh, it's got um, the people that have written the haunts are people that have played the game and loved the game as well. So you've got the original. There's uh, Rob Davio and Bruce Grasso uh, who originally designed Betrayal at House on the Hill for um, Hasbro. They've written new scenarios. Um, then they've went to people that have reached out to them and, and said that they love the game. So you've got um, Zoe Quinn who actively has spoken about Betrayal House on the Hill being an influence on the games that she makes. Cool. Um, you yeah. have um, Anita Sarkeesian, again, who has expressed a love for the game, and they've so they've approached her and said, would you mind writing a scenario? 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think Gabe and Tycho um, from Penny Arcade have written one. Um, there are, you know, there's 50 new haunts, and uh, so that they've got, you know, sort of some celebrities and and some sort of uh, well-known game designers, whether it's from uh, board games or video games, to write some of these scenarios. Absolutely brilliant. But no, I haven't had a chance to play it yet. Okay. Um, And I am looking... Fair enough. I'm I'm looking forward to playing some of those uh, haunts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like, uh, that game has still kind of been really hit or miss with me, but some good haunts might help with it. Yes. Um, yeah. And the only other one we've not got listed here that I know of that came out this year, I don't think anyone's played either, is Mysterium Hidden Signs. Yes, yeah. I, bu- I bought it, but I haven't actually used it. Okay. Sure enough. It's kind of weird <laughs> given how much all of us love Mysterium. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, yes. Just never got a chance to get it out of this. Well, yeah. The, the last time that we all got together, it was one of the games I had on the list to, to try and get yeah, out, but yeah. Yeah. there was just. Just so much we had to get played before then. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk about um, Scythe Invaders from Afar. Is the the expansion to Scythe? Uh, it adds two new factions to the game. Um, so when they did the Kickstarter when they were building it, and they, um, Jamie Stegmaier said that he was working on two more factions. Um, they weren't going to be included in the Kickstarter and bring them out separately, but it was, you know, it was full disclosure. These, this is the plan that I have for this game. I already have an expansion planned, and I have a rough idea of what they're going to be. Um, that came out this year. Um, eventually, it adds two new factions, and it ups the player count to seven players in a game. So not only did he add two new factions... Um, I think he actually says in the rule book, or it, it was somewhere I read, that when he brought these two new factions out, he knew that people would try and adapt it to play seven players, and he thought, no, I'm not having that. I'll, I'll make the rules for them so that they can do it properly. And I thought that was quite cool. Yeah, that is pretty um, cool. But, yeah, it is. It's just it, it ups the player count. It adds two new factions in. Uh, a couple of new mechanics and things like that, but I don't think it's uh, worthy of you know the expansion of the year. It looks absolutely fucking amazing and the artwork and all of that, but there are better things to to consider. Um, the two Thunderbirds expansions I thought were really cool as well. Um, they added new things that you could do in there. Um, so the Tracy Island expansion added more characters from the series, so it added in the actual Tracy, Tracy Island mansion. It added in Brains and Lady Penelope as well as Parker as well, and they all have vehicles that they, they can travel yeah. around with. Yeah. Um, above and Beyond added um, things like a time mode uh, for the game. It added various game modes that you could play, ways that you could play the game, and uh, various cards would up the difficulty of the game as well. Um, so they spent yeah. a lot of time. All of these expansions were thought out and uh, mapped out during the Kickstarter for them as well. And uh, so that's how I got them, because I'd backed the Kickstarter at like the, the, the top level, and I got all the expansions. And there was another expansion, which I haven't played yet, and it should... It, I, I didn't put it on the list because I haven't played it yet, but it's the Hood expansion. 
and the Hood expansion adds a fifth player to the game, which lets them play as the Hood. So the Hood is normally played like... Um, Thunderbirds plays like Pandemic, mm-hmm. and the Hood basically is... Imagine if you brought somebody in to play as the virus, you know, the, the virus deck. Yeah. Didn't one deck. of the expansions for Pandemic basically do that? Um, no, it brought in a a character for called the Terrorist. Oh, that may be what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, I don't think he actually played with the Infection deck. I think he can, I think he could add to it, but he didn't have actual control over it. Yeah. Um, I, I've not played with that, so I'm not 100% sure. But yeah, they're um, really uh, two good expansions. Um, but like I said, there's be- better ones to consider as well. Uh, I think in the same... In the same breath, Seven Wonders Pantheon. Uh, it is a really good uh, expansion. It's uh, the expansion is actually that good that um, it got my wife to like Seven Wonders Jewel. She wasn't a hundred percent sold on it, and we yeah. played it. We played it at Essen, and she ended up going, "Oh, I like that because it brought in, it brings in the, the Pantheon, and the Pantheon has gods from various mythologies." and you have the ability to purchase these gods, and you can use them to do really, really nasty shit to, <laughs> to your opponent. Seven Wonders Duel is one of the most mean-spirited games I've ever played. Um, it is really, really, yeah. you know, you do something, and somebody is right there at your back to, to undo it. Um, I like Seven yeah. Wonders, but I've played Duel. Yeah, Duel is, is good. Um but yeah, so the, that leaves um, the two Time Stories expansions, which I thought were absolutely fantastic this year. So A Prophecy of Dragons was the first one that came out. That came out around about uh, February or March, I think it was. Um, and that is set in the, the land, a land of fantasy. And you are on a quest. It's a bit more like a fantasy RPG feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about as much as you can see. Uh, for that game. It is completely different from the first two games that you play. So the first one is Asylum, and the second one is The Marcy Case. Yeah. It goes off in a complete different direction, uh, and it's really good. Um, it's got a couple of twists and turns in it, and it was... We played it... Um, so most people will tell you that when they play Time Stories, they play and they may do two or three runs and then that's it. Um, The group that we play Time Stories with, we sit down, when we open that pack, when we're playing that story, that's it, we're going to play it. And we normally end up, it takes us normally the full day. Yeah. We get, you know, the whole thing will take us uh, anywhere between four and six hours, depending on the, the, the scenario that we've played. And we thoroughly enjoy it and it's, you know, that's our day, that's our... Our Saturday is done playing Time Stories. Yeah. Uh, Prophecy of Dragons was fantastic. And Under the Mask is just as good as well. So Under the Mask is the, the one that's set in ancient Egypt. And, you know, in the times of pharaohs and things like that. Uh, again, that's probably about as much as I want to divulge about that. Um it has got a, there's a really really cool thing that I really really loved about Under the Mask, 
Um, it's it's towards... a and it's trying to get through these little dungeons <laughs> and just guide it through wearing your time headset. Well, yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, at the end of the, at the end of the, the, the one is, well, close to the end of your adventure, there's this thing that happens, and it is just that is, it came out of nowhere. We weren't expecting it, and it it was fantastic. It was really yeah. really good. Um, it some of the it, it seems like Eddie, in every one of these adventures they think of something that is it comes out of left field. You know you you wouldn't expect to be doing it while playing a board game um, is maybe as much as you want to say about that. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Really really love both of them. Um, but I think in just in terms of sheer quantity uh, and quality of what you were getting I think uh, expansion of the year I think will be Dead of Winter the Long Night yeah it seems like the safe choice to me it, it doubles the game it takes it takes that game and doubles it like, I still never played Dead of Winter and um, like I was thinking of buying a copy and if I buy a copy I will probably just buy the Long Night it's, yes. Yeah. Like it's almost a sequel in that way, but it's you know also an expansion. Um, yeah. It. You know, I like the way because it could have been sold as an it. It could have been sold as a sequel. Yeah. Kind of like what, what Boss Monster Two did. Yes. Although then yeah. they did actually start shipping boxes that say expansion on the front of them, which is weird. <laughs> like it's, it's, yeah. 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 You know, whereas this is, you know, they they've done it the opposite way around. Um, yeah. But yeah, you you can buy that without the first game, and you've got the entire first game as it is there, plus all these added little modules. Yeah, they could have called it an expansion, or they could have called it like a second edition or something like that. But it's just they were like, no, no. Oh, sorry, they could call it a sequel or an expansion. Yeah. They're like, no, this is a. Yeah. This is it. This is an expansion because all of this stuff will work with the previous game. Yes. Yeah. So, cool. cool. So our expansion of the year is Dead of Winter, The Long Night, with uh, the runners-up being the two time stories, expansions of Prophecy of Dragons and Under the Mask. Yep. Cool. Cool. So, next up we have the Cooperative Game of the Year. Um, nominees that we have for this are Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu, Dead of Winter, The Long Night, Mask of Anubis, Beyond Baker Street, Come to the Fishing Village, and Mix vs. Minions. Yeah. yeah. Another tough one. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I am going to remove Come to the Fishing Village immediately. Um, Come to the Fishing Village was another one of the cool little Japanese games that we brought back. And it should have been in that other category. <laughs> <laughs> um... It is a cooperative card game where you're um, trying to get rid of um, kind of crises that come up or crises that come up. Um, yeah. Really cool artwork. I have only played it uh, solo because you can do that uh, and therefore haven't played it cooperatively so we can remove it that way. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh. 
Cool. So, um, uh, what else? Uh, Max versus Minions, just quickly before we get into Max versus Minions, if you're listening to this, you may be thinking, well, hang on a sec, you're talking about Max versus Minions, you haven't mentioned it before. And that is because that uh, we, uh, my copy of Max versus Minions was ordered and arrived after we'd recorded the first podcast about uh, board games. Um, and if it hadn't, if that hadn't been the case, the it would have definitely been in the best art and production category. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it would have been in anywhere else. We maybe would have talked about it in strategy game of the year. Yeah, but um, it definitely would have been in best art and production because the production values of that is second to none, and we probably would have had a different winner. But we're not going to go back and you know go over it. Um, because uh, that was our decision at the time. We stand by our decisions, although I still think it was the wrong one, but um, we stand by it anyway. <laughs> cool. So, um, Makes versus Minions is the game from Riot Games that is the guys that make uh, League of Legends. Um, this is the League of Legends board game set in the League of... I keep saying League of Legends. Set in the universe uh, where you are controlling little mechs and you're destroying the minions from the game yes uh, it's so a campaign <laughs> the what sorry creeps so they're called in... oh is that what they're called they're called creeps ah that's what right. little minions are that you kill it's from originally and yeah alright League of Legends probably calls them minions because they took a bunch of things from Dota and then renamed them slightly <laughs> Um, oh, those salty Dota players. Which, to be fair, Dota 2 did the same thing because Dota 2 was made by Valve and not... Whatever. <laughs> it's not going to Mobus. Also, no. Mobus is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, you are killing the, the minions and it's a cooperative game, but it's also a campaign game. So the, the game has 10 campaigns. They are in sealed envelopes. Uh, you Once you finish one campaign, one mission, uh, you then it tells you what envelope to open. You open up the envelope. There may be new components that you take out and use to either build your board or there may be upgrades for the mechs or there's all sorts of things in there. Um, yeah. uh, and you add it to the game. So it has kind of a legacy effect, uh, kind of a legacy thing going for it as well. Yeah, where it's it, yeah, it's got the campaign, and you don't know what's being added to the game. Um, and it, it, you know, each each step in the campaign adds in new rules and and different things for you to play. Yeah. Um, I have not played that much of it. I played um, uh, played around with the tutorial on my own, then played tutorial, the tutorial mission properly and the first mission. Um, it's a blast. It is absolutely amazing. Uh, really like the the um, programmable element. Uh, and I, I think it's the first time that the programmable element has been used in a cooperative way rather than the competitive way like uh, RoboRally. Uh, so Robo Rally, you were all competing against each other to get your robots to do things. You could bump into each other's robots and cause problems. And uh, what's the cowboy one? Colt Express. 
Yeah. Uh, But, you you know, again, your programming and everything can, you know, you'll spend all this time programming your move, getting everything right. And just before it's your turn to execute that move, the person before you moves and they move out your line of fire and that's it. Buggered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Makes our minions is... is I'm usually not a big fan of programming games for that reason. Yes, yeah. Um, but it's it's amazing that the have you know, making it purely cooperative, it changes that. Um, they also do quite a lot of neat things to take away um what they call the, the quarterbacking, you know, so your alpha gamer that's oh, what you should do is this and you should take that and he should take this and you move here and they deal with that in a wonderful way in the way that uh, when it comes to time to decide who gets what card so that goes into their you know their their programming line um it's timed you've got 1 minute for everyone to decide what card you're going to get and if you don't do it within the 1 minute time limit everyone gets a random card uh so yeah you've actually got the you know it doesn't you know, it doesn't pay you to start meddling in everyone else's affairs because you need to worry about your own. Yeah. Um, so it does. To be fair, we've never ever had a problem with, you know, that that style of gamer. I don't think we do, we've had anyone in the group. No, no, I just think we have. Um, we've generally been pretty good. Like even most of the time, I play games with you guys as kind of just us and girlfriends and. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and I think it's one of those things where usually you're the most kind of you know well known like you know <coughs> most about the game like I think it's safe to say because you own all of them um, <laughs> and then you're also one of the people I know that's kind of most aware of like knowing if you're about to like kind of step over the line and be bossy and you're like oh no no wait no that's right <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone else like either you know feels as confident with that stuff, and they're like, no, no, it's, no it's be, everyone do a thing. You know, it's still fun yeah, to have someone yeah. boss you around. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what we found as well is um, you were getting that into looking for the cards, and um, you you would sometimes you, we would help each other when we were playing the game. So and would have a look, and she would say, oh, you're going for the you know you're wanting to just kill the minions, you take that card and I'll take that one. You know, so you're you're not quarterbacking, but you're thinking about the other person as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's really, really good. Um, uh, I think we can uh, maybe leave it on here for the moment because um, there's a few others that we need to discuss as well. Um, Mask of Anubis we've spoke about. Um, yeah. Do Do you think it's the co? It it should be in cooperative game of the year. Do you think? Uh, I think it deserves to be nominated. I don't know if it stands up against some of these other ones. Right. Um. um Dead Dead of Winter. I am. I mean, two minds. I think because yes it has it has got that cooperative element to it but it also has that traitor element yeah dead runner seems more semi cooperative to me yeah um i would be happy with removing it i yeah, wouldn't have too like much of an issue 
would you call like Battlestar Galactica a cooperative game? Exactly. Yeah. yeah that kind of thing. It, it's, that's a idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you when you think of well, let's play a game that we can all play and help each other win the game. Yeah. Dead of Winter and Battlestar Galactica, they're not games that kind of spring to mind, are they? No, no, no. You know, I did the same as like uh, Letters from Whitechapel is not a cooperative game. Yeah, yeah. It is to a certain extent. Yeah, but it, it, it's, it's half cooperative. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. It's not, uh, one against many. Uh... Yeah. Cool. Yeah, no, I'm happy with that. So, uh, Beyond Baker Street, one of your favourites, is here again. I love Beyond Baker Street. It's so cool. Um, we've talked about it much already, but it's, you know, it's an abbey, but co-op game where you're trying to solve mysteries uh-huh. um, you have a hand of cards that are facing away from you and you have no idea what's on them and you, mm. when you're using your turn you can either play one of those cards in a location and if it can't be played there or you push a number higher than it should be you fuck up everyone's game and everyone's angry at you and it's a disaster or if you you know, play in the right place. It's awesome because you didn't know what that card was, except for based on clues that other people have given you. You know, yes. that was a six. They then specifically say that was a blue six, but we need a blue card there that's a six. So if it's probably they probably mean the six. And so you put it down, <laughs> and you're like, oh no, that was a red one. He meant I had to put that in the ah, uh, to get discarded. <laughs> God damn it, it, ruined everything. Um, yeah, I I really like it. Um. Yeah, oh, yeah, sometimes it's about what was not said to you as much as what was said to you as well. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I finally got a chance to play two-player. Um, oh, right. I've been meaning to for a while. Um, it's a bit easier two-player, I found, because there's just yes. the two of you, so you're just going back and forth. I also found there were definitely that. more occasions... Um, we had it happen one time, that time that we all played it, but there's more occasions where one player will have kind of nothing to do. <laughs> um, because you'll have a time where it'll just be, just by luck of the draw, one of the two players will have, like, the three cards you need to play in order to end the game. And the other person's just sitting there, like, every turn going, it's one of those, it's one of those, it's one of those... And then <laughs> waiting, basically, if they haven't played them, if they've done something else, basically waiting for them to play them one by one and figuring anything else to do to kind of skip a turn without making Sherlock move. Um, yeah. Which I got quite lucky with because I had a... Uh, we we played using the character cards, which I hadn't done oh, before right, okay. either. Um, yeah. And I was Toby, the dog, who... Oh, I forget what his ability is. He can do something, he can use his action to do something else once per turn and it doesn't move Sherlock. So, All right, okay. I just did that every turn. I was just like, okay, well, I'll do this again, I guess. <laughs> Skip the turn. He's already the best best character in the game because he's Toby the dog. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, the character cards are really cool and that. I actually think it's a way better game with, it, uh, with them. And that was the first time I played it with them. So. Yeah. It's cool. Yes. It, it is a fantastic game. Really, really in a room with a mirror in it. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah that that was really difficult. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think when we if we play here again, um, we'll just need to get big blankets and put them over the mirrors. Hang over the mirrors. <laughs> oh, the castle. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, we have also need to speak about 
Um, Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu. Is it Pandemic Legacy? Kind of, yes. It's when we say no, scrap it from the list. God damn it. Oh. <laughs> um, it's Pandemic, uh, but it is also the first Cthulhu game that I've really, really enjoyed. Um, it is basically taking, you know, the, the tried and test, tried and tested and trusted game of Pandemic, and it adds this whole thing of Cthulhu in. So it moves. You're not playing on the map of the world anymore. You're playing on, excuse me, you are playing on um, kind of the, the world of a Lovecraft in America. So you've got um, Arkham. You've got. Uh, Eldritch and Dunwich, I think, and there's another place as well. Um, and basically, you're travelling around these areas and what you're trying, or these towns, and you are trying to close the the gates. You know, so instead of curing um, uh, diseases, you are trying to close the gates that can call the elder ones through. Um, and instead of diseases, you've got the cultists. So you can defeat the cultists, um, and once you have enough location cards, you can close one of the, seal one of the gates. Um, I I really like Pandemic, um, and this is just a Pandemic with a different skin on it. Um, so it's really cool. Uh, saying that as well, there should there would have been another game that we could consider for this year, which was Pandemic Iberia. Um, which I haven't played yet, um, so it wasn't. The, it was one of the reasons we didn't put it in. Yeah, but it takes it, pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> so um, pandemic Iberia just adds uh, you're playing on the Iberian Peninsula. Uh, you know, so the Iberian Peninsula is uh, Spain and Portugal. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, yes. Uh, and in a instead of flying around that you can do in Pandemic, you actually need to build railway lines before you can actually do these direct travelling. Uh, and there's few, uh, a few other actions that you can do are more thematic um, because you're playing in you know 19th century uh, Iberia, so you need to purify water. The diseases that you're, um, you're fighting are cholera, malaria... Uh, and I forget the other two but you can't cure them you can only share your research and once the research is widely known it becomes easier to treat the disease once your research has been shared fully on all four of them it's the equivalent of curing the disease in the original pandemic and then it finishes the game Um, but yeah um, so both of those games really really good but it's Is that an expansion? No, it's not an expansion. It's just a... It's Pandemic in a different skin. Yeah, it's a rethink. Yes, it's a yeah. rethink. Thank you, I couldn't think of the word. <laughs> um, would we... So, I I think giving it an, a mention and that it's really good and I really enjoyed it. It's one of my... It's my favourite Cthulhu-themed game um, yep. of everything that we've played. Uh I would be happy to remove it to leave our final three being Mask of, Anub- Mask of Anubis beyond Baker Street and Max vs. Minions. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm happy with that, yeah. Cool. 
stop. This is the point where Kieran now tries to convince us that Beyond Baker Street is the, the best cooperative game of the year. Oh, I guess. So Beyond Baker Street. <laughs> I mean, if we're going with previous logic, then purely on weight factor, Mechs versus Minions should win it for that box. <laughs> My logic has come back to bite me. <laughs> that uh, box is big. I've seen it. I've I've been there and like held it. It's heavy. It, yeah, it's, it's a it's a big box. It, yeah, it, it's it a big box. It's it's really it's, cheap for how much is in that thing. Yes, yeah. That was the that was the biggest thing about it. It's, so the game goes for seventy five euros, and uh, then you pay five euros shipping, um, and it ships from. Germany, and if you can still get in on the um, the first wave, uh, it will ship to you within you know within a week. Um, and and it, yeah, oh, yes, and I, I got a, a plushie. I have no idea because I don't play League of Legends. I got this funny thing. It's called a a snacks poro, whichever that is. No idea. They didn't yeah. that from Dota. Yeah, it's a little blue thing. Um, the cats love it. They, they chase it around the house. It's still nice plastic. <laughs> so they, they pick it up by the plastic and throw it around and chase it around the house. They think it's brilliant. Um, but, yeah, um, so 80 euros, that's including delivery. And in, you know, in, in British pounds, you're looking at, what, about 70, less than 75 pounds. Yeah, yeah. You know, which uh, comparatively makes it cheaper than Seafall, um, Scythe, and, you know, a lot of the big hitting games. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it, it seems very much like they made it kind of... They're probably selling it at cost. I doubt they're making yes, a profit off this. Yeah. Um, it seems more like they made it as a kind of, hey, take us seriously, we can do a cool thing. Because the yes. other thing they did with this is... They got consulting from pretty much like most of, if not all of, kind of the big, you know, game board game reviewers, and yes. probably at least a handful of other board game designers and stuff as well. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like uh, Quinns from Shop and Sit Down and uh, Tom yep. Vassell from Dice Tower stuff like right. that. They all consulted on. This. Yeah. So it's like this weird kind of get the opinions of everyone and make this cool game then sell it for cheap because it's just it's, I think Quentin Smith said on Chop and Sit Down's podcast that they uh, had self-described it as being a gift to the board game community which yes. is a probably pretty good way to describe it yeah um, but yeah it's quite cool and it's also like a really cool way for them to go hey we can make some pretty serious board games. Yeah, exactly. When they yeah. do another one and they make a profit off of it, they'll be taken pretty seriously because people will be like, that first one's great. Or exactly. more likely when they start selling expansions for it. Um, yeah. I think that's where they're going to be planning to be making money off of it. Um, oh. um, yeah, it is, it's a fantastic game. Uh, really well made. You know, cheap for what it is. Um, definitely you should look at trying to pick it up if you have that money and you have the shelf space <laughs> for that huge box. But it's definitely one you should be looking at. In terms of Cooperative Game of the Year, I would happily give it to it, but I'm the only one that's played it. Yes. So, um, 
I'm not going to be much help because I actually haven't played any of the three that's left. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I've played two or three of them. Yes, I, so I I am happy to give it to either Mask of Anubis or Beyond Baker Street. Uh, Beyond Baker Street, we had it was another one of those games that we played the first time we played it, and um, I think we played it three times in a row. The the first time was I had said, you know, I think we got beaten quite easily, and it was like, do you want to have another go at it? See if we can do better this time. We played it again, lost. And at the third, you know, the third instance of playing it was suggested by I, th- I think it was uh, your girlfriend had done it. Yeah. You know, so that that is a big, I, like I said, that's a big, a, a big tell for me with games like that. Um, and I think just in terms of content and interaction, oh man, do I get, would I give it over Mask of Anubis? Yeah, I probably would. I, I definitely enjoy Beyond Big Street more than Mask of Anubis. Um, I do really like both, but I... I think, Mas- I think Mask of Anubis is it's, it's good and it's light, and I think I think there's a little bit more in Beyond Baker Street. Yeah, I feel like we're in this situation where in a couple of years, presuming Mask of Anubis gets a bit more of a widespread release and more people actually get to play it, because at the moment it's yeah. kind of people who went to Essen and that's kind of it. Um, I think in a couple of years Mask of Anubis will be the equivalent of what Hanabi was to be on Baker Street where yeah, yeah. it's this super basic version of a concept like it is cool and it's fun but it's not really all there yet in a lot of ways right, yeah, um, yeah. there's more that can be done with it there's more of a game that can be made out of it and I feel like Beyond Big Street did that with Hanabi, where it took the very basic fireworks you know, facing cards all the way thing, and was like, okay, let's build a game around that. Let's make it a bit more in-depth. Let's add these character cards that add a lot of cool stuff. Let's uh-huh. uh, add this board, which, to be fair, my one complaint about that game, the board is garbage. That board is, <laughs> is impossible to flatten. Like, it... It will always have like a bit of a, a rise and, and knock everything over every now and again. It's yes. the worst. <laughs> uh, but other than that, the game's great. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm happy to give this to Beyond Big Street. Cool. So our cooperative game of the year is Beyond Big Street, with the runners-up being Mask of Anubis and Makes vs. Minions. Cool. Yay! Yay! It's a good one. So, cool. Uh, next is the new to us game of the year so what we're looking for in this category is a game that we we have played that came out maybe last year or a couple of years before that but we haven't played before uh-huh. so you know this year was the first time that we kind of played the game and discovered it and things like that so the games that we have in here are fuse Fake Artist Goes to New York, Between Two Cities, uh-huh. Hip Hops, Seven Wonders Duel, The Game, Billionaire Banshee, Celestia, and one that I think we should actually add in here as well, which is CS Files or Deception Murder in Hong Kong. But then we should take CS Files off. Because we actually played that before last year's Game of the Year podcast. 
Oh, uh, yeah, we played that was, it. That was the first we, time we played it. <laughs> yes, yeah, we we were actually playing it when we were having dinner. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So yeah, it's not technically yeah. new to us this year. <laughs> yeah. Didn't we yeah. actually didn't we actually play it because it was in a category that year? Um, I forget. I forget. I forget. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do love CS Fox. CS Fox is great. I think it has um, is either become or is becoming kind of my favourite of the kind of hidden role games. Yeah, it is. It's really, really good. Um, so Celestia was another game. Celestia we actually spoke about in terms of build quality and components. We spoke at last year's um, Game of the Year podcast. Yeah, but we hadn't actually played but it. We, ha- we hadn't actually played it as yet. Mm-hmm. Um. Celestia is it's still one of my favourite kind of opening games. Uh, you know, it's got that push your luck element. It's quite easy to to teach, and um, yeah, it's just a really nice game to kind of start off a game day. I think. Yeah, Celestia's really cool. I really like it. Um, and it does have those awesome components, like that little boat is awesome. Yes. Um, yeah, any, any game that gives you a little thing to put your tokens in is <laughs> great in my books. Even if it's kind of yeah. completely pointless, it's, it's still great. So, um, have you played it recently? Um, I have not. The only time I played it was at yours. Right. Although I did get a copy recently, strangely. You did, yeah. Surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> See if it was just to be a guillotine that has the opening game that Mike has gifted me for Christmas. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so you played a game which um, came out in uh, 2015, which uh, I had actually forgotten about, but which I was quite interested in, which was Billionaire Banshee. Yes. So I picked this up kind of on a whim. Uh, I was kind of out uh, at a board game shop and was like, yeah, it looks like something I could buy. It was pretty decent. I remember people mentioning this at one point. Um, but yeah, Billionaire Banshee is a, it's a very kind of light like party game where um, you have two decks of cards. You have the perk cards and the quirk cards. And each player takes turns uh, drawing one from each of these. And they'll be, you know, kind of really weird, weird things. And everyone else has to basically vote using, everyone has like a, a deny card or a, a proof card and they will kind of basically yes or no and they, will, they have to vote and say whether the person who drew these cards would date a person with that perk and that quirk so you may end up with things like I'm pulling random ones out right now uh, they're a professional level cuddler the <laughs> hug is comforting their body melts with yours their skin is warm against yours and they don't breathe heavily but they're narcoleptic. They sleep frequently <laughs> at random times. Sleep attacks are usually not long. Emotions may make them collapse. Sometimes they hallucinate. Medicine is not effective for them. And everyone has to vote, <laughs> saying whether they would date that person or not. And then you go round the table, and everyone has to basically justify their reason. So they're like, uh-huh. I think Mike would date that person because, you know, he really likes hugs, and he doesn't mind if pe- people fall asleep during it. It's fine. <laughs> You know, that kind of thing. And then you get round to the person that drew them and they have to explain, you have to turn over their card and say, 
yeah, of course I would date that person, or no, I wouldn't date that person, and justify as well. So there's like right. not much of an actual kind of game there, it's a really kind of light thing, but it's it fits into that kind of, um, again, the kind of like Cards Against Humanity, Joking Hazard kind of party game kind of thing. Um, cool. But it's also, I just find it really funny and think that it, it works really well. And one thing that I really like that it does better than those ones is that it works really well with two players. Like, it's right. It's not just a, a party game, even though that is kind of its main thing. You know, it is made for playing up to ten players, according to the box. But really, like, I sat and played it with my girlfriend on New Year's Eve, and it was really funny just with the two of us. Um, and it works really well. But yeah, I, it doesn't necessarily need to be on this list. Uh, we should, I think we're choosing a winner for this list. It's not just yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it doesn't necessarily be in this list. Definitely because I'm the only one that's played it. But I will definitely be bringing that next time we have a board game day because it's really excellent. Fun. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm just looking at the list. One of the games that I've automatically struck off the list was Seven Wonders Duel because I did forget that I played it. Um, I did play it last year and I played it solo, um, and I did speak ah. about it. Um, so it doesn't really count here. Disqualified. Um, disqualified, yes. So uh, one of the other games that I did play a lot solo was, and I spoke about it on the podcast, was The Game. So The Game was the kind of runaway success, uh, surprise runaway success last year. Um, it was nominated for the um, Kin- uh, Spiel the Yaris which is a very famous it's the board game German board game critics game of the year. Yeah. Um, and it is a very simple card game. We spoke about it before. It's eventually advanced, uh, essentially a advanced solitaire where you have um, 99 cards uh, labeled from number two up to 99, and you have four piles. Two piles are ascending, and two piles are descending. And on your turn, you have, um, you can have, uh, I think, eight cards in your hand, and uh, you have to play at least two, two or three cards, I forget how many, but you have to play these cards from your hand onto the piles and then draw up. Um, the problem with that is that sometimes you may end up screwing over one of the piles, you know, because uh, you you may be playing a card. You may be playing the, the number one card, and then the next card is, uh, you know, number sixteen. So you're screwing the chances of getting all the cards between fifteen and two within that pile. Um, and it's trying to work out a strategy between you and the rest of the players with limited communication about what you can and can't do. Um, really good game. Uh, fantastic as a solo play as well. Uh, and I discovered it this year. Um, and it was quite cool to um, when I was recovering from the heart attack it was cool just to kind of play that at night when um, you know I'd, I'd wake up and couldn't sleep and you know it, it's um, new, yeah. a, a newfangled version of Solitaire which is quite cool as well yeah so That's cool, uh, um, cool but um, alright yeah no problem at all it seems like you're pretty strong about it yes um, yeah Although there again, there's more things on this list. Um, exactly, yes. Because I think one of the ones that definitely has to stay on here is the fake artist goes to New York. Oh, oh yes. Which is 
We've talked about it a billion times. Hidden roll game. Everyone's drawing. One person doesn't know what they're drawing. It's hilarious. <laughs> with monstrosities of drawings. <laughs> um, yeah, fake art never gets old. Like, I've played so much of it now. It's one of those things, like, you could use the same word multiple times, and yeah, but you use the same word multiple times with the same group of people and get different, bizarrely fucked up drawings. It's just so good. Um, yes. Yeah, it's... It's my favorite kind of little party game. <laughs> yeah, um, I love it. And um, the the last time that we played it was we had people, and um, so I said I would be the, you know, the, the the game master for the one round just to kind of let everyone get an idea how it works and things. Um, so I picked, uh, I was I think it was Indiana Jones that I picked. And almost everyone else that had, when it was their turn to pick a word and a category and things, everybody went movies. There was one person that didn't, but uh-huh. everyone else went movies. <laughs> and I just thought it was quite, uh, you know, it, uh, you get that group mentality where you yeah. want somebody tunes into something and then that's it. And the movies were all over the place. Uh, somebody had picked Pennywise the Clown as the, that we had to draw. Um, and it was just, it was mental. Um, but yeah, I love that game. It, it gets funnier and funnier every time you play it. It yeah. does. Yeah, definitely. Especially as you play it with the same group. Because then people get weirdly tactical where they're like, yes. we, we need to make sure this drawing isn't specific enough because the, the hidden person, the, the fake artist, can still win the game if you figure out who they are, if they can figure out what you were drawing. So, People start to get really tactical about their drawings and being like, okay, we need to make sure that this is close enough that we all know what we're drawing, but it's obscure enough that it doesn't look anything like it. So yes. let's do that. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, this, this is a bizarre, bizarre game. It's so much fun. <laughs> cool. So that definitely has to say. Um, so uh, we'll talk about hip hops quickly. Um, I think we spoke about it when I brought it back from Germany. It was a Kickstarter game that came out in 2015, I think it is, and it's essentially it's top trumps for beers. So it has um, loads and loads of craft beers um, and craft from craft brewers uh, on the cards, and you. It, so it has the the beer, it has its IBU, its bitterness, it has the alcohol. And it has the the year that it was brewed. Um, okay. And uh, bitterness, you're looking for the highest number. Alcohol, you're looking for the highest number. And uh, I think with the year, you're looking for the lowest number. It d- depends on the wh- whatever you're calling out. There's various ones that you're looking for the highest number, and there's ones you're looking for the lowest number. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's. Uh, it was just a nice little game, I thought. Um, when we we found it, it uh, at Essen, and uh, we've actually we've went out to uh, the pub and we've taken it with us, and uh, we've been playing it, and we've also used it to decide uh, on what the next round is going to be as well. That's very cool. So yeah, it's a uh, quite a, a cool little game. Um, it's still available as well, um, but I thought I would. Uh, you know, just to give it a little shout out. Cool. 
So I think there is a game that all three of us has played. Uh, again, like Fake Artists, it's one that we've played a hell of a lot and one we've enjoyed a hell of a lot as well, which is Fuse. Yes. Yeah, I played Fuse once and then bought a copy. It was, it was one of those games. <laughs> I was just like, I need, yeah, this. I need just... to own this. Such a great game. Yeah. Um, yeah, do you want me to describe it or something? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Fuse is a real-time game, which is something I usually am not a big fan of, um, where you have an app that is counting down a clock, saying, well, I guess it's not it's kind of real-time, cause it's still turn-based, but it's, you know, there's a timer, um, that is counting down and going, hey, this, this bomb's going to explode. Hey, this bomb's going to explode. And you're passing around a bag of dice and rolling dice so you can use dice to defuse the little bomb cards and you've got to defuse all the bomb or enough of the bomb cards and oh it's so hectic and so stressful <laughs> and oh it's the worst and I love it <laughs> yeah um, I'm really bad at it because I'm too slow I'm too calm I don't get stressful stressed out enough to actually be good at this <laughs> kind of game I'm just there like casually taking dice out and everyone's like Kieran what the fuck are you doing come on you know, did you like hear the robot lady? She said we only have a minute left. <laughs> You're not yeah. going quick enough, Karen. You're not. I just, yeah, you get to the point where you're not going quick enough so much so that your girlfriend starts stealing your tongue. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I really got a game. It's so good. Uh, Leanne had stopped playing that game because it was too stressful for her. When <laughs> you have anxiety playing stressful games about defusing bombs with like a lady on a on an app shouting at you the whole time, shouting at you, not yeah. a good idea. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, fusel. Yes, definitely. Um, so the I think the only other game that we need to speak to speak about is a game that we played. Paul, I don't think you played this one, which was uh, Between Two Cities. I've not played it, no. So that is another Stonemaier game, uh, Stonemaier Games game, that came out, I think that came out in 2015, it was at uh, Essen 2015, um, but I don't think it's copies, all of its copies arrived in time for it to be, when it was there as well. And basically this is the game where you are semi-cooperatively building cities, and you're building a city, uh, if you sit around a table, you're building a city with a person on your left, and you're also building a city with a person on your right. Uh, you want to build the best possible city that you can, because the, the the kind of gimmick of the game is that your city with the lowest score is the one that will be your, your final score in the end of the game when it comes to tally up points. Yeah, yeah. Um Really simple game, and I I really liked it as well. Um, I, I really like this one as well. Um, yeah, I think it works really well with the um, like the semi cooperative aspect of it because you kind of go into it thinking, right, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna be smart about this because um, you're also drafting pieces to go into your city, which is cool. Um, you know, I always find that I'm going to take stuff I know our people won't need, or so our people will need, and stop them from doing stuff. But then, very quickly, as you actually start playing, you're like, 
I got too sick to look after. I don't have time to pay attention to what other people want or need. Like, I just got to do all this cool stuff myself and with these two people on my side. And yeah, and the fact yeah. that your your least successful city is the one that matters works really well. Yeah, yeah, Fair. yeah, yeah. I re- I really like it. Um, so much so that I think I am willing to take the game off the list for it to stay where it is. Okay. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm, because they're the only two I've played, I'm going to argue for Fuse and uh, a fake artist to be ones that stay on there as well. So, I really like Celestia, but I also think I like Between Two Cities more than Celestia. Um, cool. I'd be happy with that. Yeah, I think that would be a pretty solid three of... Yes. Yeah. Um... Yeah, because it's one of those things where Celestia has been on my wish list for a long time, and I'm glad I now own a copy. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> um, and but there's like one. I don't know if you guys ever get this, Mike. I know you don't because you fucking buy everything. But <laughs> when I go to board game days and stuff like that, and I play a bunch of board games, usually there's a game that I like enough I'll just go out and buy. Like, almost every uh-huh. time I'll just buy something. I bought Fabled Fruit while I was still at yours last time. Like, that was just <laughs> yes. something, something that happens. Um, but every now and again, there's also one that will just occasionally kind of pop into my head again that I didn't buy and be like, man, I should have bought that. That game's really good. I should get that at some point. Between Two Cities has been that game for me, where right. it keeps popping up in my head every now and again. It's like, man, I could really play some Between Two Cities, isn't it? This is really fun. I really like... That's a really cool drafting mechanic. Drafting mechanics are really cool in general. Um, but yeah, I, uh, that's the only reason I'd pick it up here over Celestia. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So, in terms of your favourite out of the three, though, so between Fuse, A Fake Artist Goes to New York, and Between Two Cities. This is a real question. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I am torn... Uh, you know, I think between two cities, I, I love the game. I would be happy with it being, you know, the, the kind of third one there. The one that I would need to, the, the two would be Fuse and the Fake Artist. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Fake Artist think, is by far my favourite game on this list. I, I think I'm I'm heading that way as well. Um, it's, it's definitely my favourite on the list. If nothing else, well, I, is the one that I have played like literally dozens of times at this point and uh-huh. will happily play a dozen more uh, it is oh, possibly God, yeah. my most played tabletop game actually, I think like, it is I think actually, it, yeah, I think it most I think definitely right. is actually like even my copy excluding the times we used your copy last time it was over like uh-huh. I think it's by far my most played game and I mean, part of it is just that it's really easy to move around like it's a tiny little box which works really well for the kind of game it is. So I've played it a lot of times at work. Uh, I went uh, to a friend's wedding um, a few months ago and me and a handful of friends were sharing a, a flat basically and uh-huh. we I took that with me because it was tiny I could fit it in my bag on the train on the way down and took it out uh-huh. and played that a bunch when we were all drinking. So that all works really well like you just take it around with you or you can play at home and if you're like me and you're a weirdo that owns a whiteboard then you can use a big old whiteboard to play it 
Yeah. Um, which is cool. It is. The whiteboard definitely makes a difference. Yeah. And it's the one thing I'll say about fake artists is you don't actually really need the box or anything in it. Um, but I do recommend buying it because it is a nice little thing to have. Um, like those little whiteboard cards are really cool and I kind of wish more games used those in some way. Like this, just a cool thing. Yes, yes. Um, and I also like that the word artist is misspelled on every single page in that book. <laughs> uh, which is great. Is it artist? Is one of the words that's misspelled on every page in that book? Um, I, I think it is artist, I think yeah. it is artist. I think it's when you're marking who the fake artist was. Um, yeah. Fake artist goes New York. It's amazing. Cool. So, I... I <clears throat> My favourite new to us game of the year is a fake artist goes to New York with runners up being Fuse and Between Two Cities. Cool. Another good list. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Oh yeah, definitely. So I new category that we came up with for this year as well is the most innovative board game of the year. Um and the nominees that we have here are the perfumer Mask of Anubis, Mystic Veil, Innis, Fable Fruit, Bring Your Own Book, and Cortex Challenge. So, uh, Cortex Challenge is a, I said, just a, a, a cute little family quiz game where you are doing little tests. Uh, there's a, a whole load of words, um, you know, which are colours and they're coloured in so that the word yellow is coloured in white and what you're looking for is you're looking for the word that's um, written, you know, that's written in the right colour so you're looking for the colour yellow that's coloured in yellow um, the first person to find that wins a point um, the innovative thing that Cortex Challenge does is it has um, this um, touchy-feely round so there's a whole load of cards and there's pictures of teddy bears and basketballs and strawberries and bread rolls and things like that. And the cards are textured so that they feel very close to the images that they're showing. The teddy bear does feel like that Terry Towel and, you know, the, the fl- that kind of fluffy teddy bear look. Um, there is pictures of moss, which is creepy. It, is, it makes your skin crawl when you feel yeah. it. Um, but basically, before the game begins, you get to feel all of these cards and see what they are. And then at a random point during the game, there will be a the touch challenge. And the person who got the last point in the game, gets he gets to take part. So all the other players work cooperatively and they decide what card they're going to give him. They give it to him face down and he gets to feel it without looking at it and he tells them what card he thinks it is. If he got it right, he gets a point. If not, he doesn't. Um, yep. I just, yeah, I thought that was quite cool. I, I thought it was really cool as well. Like, um, for people that are kind of struggling to think of what this looks like, think of those little books that you get for, like, kids. Like, for young kids that have the kind of touchy-feely things on them. It is those. Like, those oh, are, it does, yeah. Those are, like, chunky cards that are kind of basically, like, those kind of card books you get for kids with the kind of little you know, touch you about it. I thought it was really cool. I didn't actually play this game. I watched you and Leanne play it. But yep. it was it seemed like a smart thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I think you should stay on here for now. Yeah, cool. Uh, um, so, Mystic Veil. Um, we spoke about Mystic Veil before, and the whole thing with the see-through cards and the, it's the, the gloom cards, and they stack on top of each yeah. other and things like that. Um, yes. It's really, really cool. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a deck builder. Yeah, the actual game isn't super, you know, innovative. Yes. Um, as they took... Like, if this was, like, taking a mechanic from another game, you know, like the, the gloom thing, and applying it to something that was way more in-depth and cool, I'd be super on board. But it, it's just a deck builder. It's not really... It's not... Much yeah, fun. like Gloom was a cool, unique thing that did this already. Yeah, yeah so it, it's not doing anything really different from that because all you're doing is you are stacking the cards and then you're getting all the benefits, yeah. which Gloom did anyway. Yeah, I do you know, like because, the idea yeah. of a deck builder where instead of adding new cards, you're adding new functionality to the cards that you have. Yes, yeah. Um, which makes me think that there should be a legacy game deck builder. Yes. That's what Missy Bill <laughs> makes me think. <laughs> I mean, um, minion legacy. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, Gloomhaven is, is similar to that, is it not? Oh, I think so, yeah. That's kind of a... a it's got a campaign structure, doesn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. So it's yeah. kind of legacy-like as well. Or that... Um, I don't think you add stuff to the cards. Actually, I think hey, uh, the the Arkham Horror Living Card Game. Oh yes, uh, yeah. That has. I don't, actually, I don't think you add things to the specific cards, but it has the, the campaign and yeah, yeah, exactly. telling the story and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So Mystic Veil is cool with the cards and everything, but it's been done before, I think, as well. Yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm happy to kind of scrub it for the time being. Yeah. Um, Innis or Inish, the reason that we put that on here was, I think, mainly because of the tiles. So, so you place the, the little map tiles down, and then they click together to build yeah. a, the the big world map. Which is cool, um, but it's not it's not new. It's just the best kind of implementation of a thing other games have done. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like we had we had uh, Portal last year, for example, that did. The same the, thing, just poorly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or you have plenty of you know games that have um, uh, modular boards that usually don't have the kind of jigsawy bit that hooks together like Ennis does, but you know yes. they'll, they'll just have hexagons or something. Yeah. Um, I do think it is the best implementation of that. Uh, is is one of the coolest games. It is on my game of the year list. Um, yeah. It's the only game on my game of the year list I don't actually own, which is weird. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Um, so, uh, what else can we talk about? I bring bring your own book. Bring your own book. You bring a book. Yeah. They replace that. the component of a game with books. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yes. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Pretty uh, cool, but is it the most innovative thing that's happened this year? 
It's doing away with 500 cards. Yeah. <laughs> it makes the game infinitely replayable. So you don't have to buy expansions for this. You buy books. <laughs> yeah. True. I'm true. I mean, yeah. you could have, you, you could play and you say, right, well, tonight we're going to play Bring Your Own Book, and tonight we are playing the school textbook edition. Yeah. You can only use school textbooks. I do really like the idea of a themed Bring Your Own Book. Game. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I have considered doing that or doing, like, a, everyone bring a Discworld book or something like that, you know? Yeah. You know, you, you, today we're only going to use Mills and Boone's books or we're only we're only going to use Penthouse magazine. <laughs> or, like, genres, you know, you're like, we're only using <laughs> comedies. We're only using, yeah. like, really depressing fucking fiction books, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, everyone can bring, like, Anne Frank's diary. That's it. <laughs> yeah. um, like this, the one thing I'll say for Bring Your Own Book is that the second part of that game, the second round, is that everyone swaps books. So there's actually also a chance that you end up spoiling yourself on a book you may have read. Which yeah, is, yeah. Which can be a bit. I mean, you also don't want to be the person turning up with Mein Kampf. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Uh, um. Never invite Trump to your parties. Yep. Um, so, um, I'm happy to leave that there at the moment. I think um, it's for it. It may not make it to them okay. because the other ones here are pretty strong. But yeah. I do think there's maybe fabled fruit is not really fitting in here to me. Um, as much as I love fabled fruit. Right. Uh, because it is, again, it's... Uh, it's a simplified version of that legacy system, that campaign system that lots and lots of games use. Um, yeah. They have managed to apply it to a, you know, what's essentially a family game. It's, you know, yeah. a really light, kid-friendly game uh, uh-huh. that also works for, you know, a bunch of adults. I mean, I've only actually played it, played it with a bunch of adults. But, you know. It's super fun, though. It's super good. Oh, uh, yeah, really I cool. love Fibble Fruit. Um, I just think that the stuff that the other games on this list do is uh-huh. and that was almost English but I think the things that the other things in this game this list do are better right okay and cooler. yeah um, um, see I I thought it was quite innovative in the way that it is it's you know it starts out with six simple rules and, and six simple things you can do and by the end of the by the time you've played through everything you have worked through uh, 52, uh, sorry, 59 different rules. Um, and, at, you know, if you play the game in a certain way, it is possible to have a game that has 20, 24 different rules happening and governing how this game is played. Mm-hmm. It is cool. Um, I would um, say that the I, most innovative thing about it is that it's a legacy game you can reset. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yes. Uh, again, it's uh, it's freedom free, and he's you know he's gone off the deep end again. He wants you to design, be able to design design your own board game as you play it, and uh-huh. you know he's got this um this this thing that this bugbear um and he did it with you know he started it with um five is it five hundred one or five hundred four five hundred four five hundred four started it with 504 and then he, he's continued it with Fable Fruit. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he, 
what he's doing at the moment within board games kind of reminds me of uh, Peter Molyneux had the whole thing about, you know, this choice that you have between, you know, good and evil. And he had it, it started with black and white, it evolved into fable. Um, he then tried to take it into um, Gordis and, and everything else as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the path that Friedman Fries is on at the moment, it's, it reminds me of uh, Molyneux. Um, and yeah. I'm interested to see what he does with the rest. I but, never, yeah, if you... Sorry. No, sorry? As I say, I never actually played 504, but it didn't seem like it, it hit. It didn't seem like it stuck it, the landing, really. No, it didn't. It's still a concept as it was, but I feel like Fable Fruit yes. does. Like, Fable Fruit, like, don't get me wrong, I, I don't think it fits that well on this most innovative category, just because I think yep. the other games on this list do cooler, newer things. Right, um, yeah. But it is what some might say is one of my top five favourite games of this year. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I really like it. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm happy to... To remove it from this, yeah. Cool. Uh, cool. Uh, uh, so, uh, the perfumer we spoke about. Yeah. Put the, and the biggest thing that it does is it uses the scratch and sniff cards. And yep. it, it's a deduction game. You know, you're, you, need to, uh, you need to make this perfume that consists of... Or you need to make these three, con- these three perfumes that consists of six different ingredients, but you don't know which ingredient is which. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And it's a case of of using your nose and where you think it's simple, you know, because we all know what cinnamon smells like and we all know what rose smells like. But do you know what Raven Sara smells like and can you tell the difference between Raven Sara and mint? Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I I was agreeing with you now that I could... (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) But yeah, so you've got um you you've got that this whole thing in and it does add a level to a very, very light and simple worker placement game. Yeah. Um I I like it and was she was very impressed with it because um you know, just the, the possibilities of taking this uh, I was gonna say technology, but it's not yeah. The gimmick, but you know, but that, the yeah. scratch and sniff cards, and because they're now being used in a game, and uh, you know, there is um, people with Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, and things like this, where um, smell is one of the last thing. Uh, I think it's one of the first things to go. So it, you know, using a game like the Perfumer or something similar that has these scratch cards, and making making that into a fun activity. Yeah. Could I, you know, it, it has long term and, and yeah. bigger uses and different uses. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's really cool. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I think it's just down here. It's a cool, cool idea. Cool. Um, yeah, and then the last game we've not talked about here is Mask of Anubis, which, as we talked about it before, is VR. Yes. Yeah, it's really cool. Yes. It uses the VR. Yeah, and not just um, the way it uses the VR. Like I would also add, like to this innovation kind of stuff. Packing in a kind of Google cardboard style headset, but then also having that little box that you make that holds all the components and stuff like that that you put inside the headset when your phone isn't in it to kind yeah. of store the game. 
is a really cool thing that you could throw away the actual game box if you wanted to because that becomes kind of a cooler game box in a way to keep yes it, yeah which is yeah again super cool like um, yeah um and it's it goes you know it's the whole design of it um because space is in a premium in uh Japanese homes and things like that, and not only that but now everything's all contained and it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely one of the yeah. coolest looking board games you could have on your shelf because it's yeah. in this cool headset thing. Yeah. Uh, if you can get a copy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they are, I believe that they are looking at getting um, distribution on it and they are busy working on a sequel. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... We have four games. We need to remove one of them. The Cortex Challenge, those little uh, cards. Mm-hmm. We've seen those cards before. Like you said, you, you get them in children's books. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but to be fair, you could say that about any of these things. I suppose, I suppose, you know, yeah. Masculine Abyss, we've seen VR before. Yeah. Um, a lot this year, to be fair. The perfect uh-huh. word, we've seen scratches that cars before. Um, yeah. But I would agree, Cortex Challenge kind of feels like the weakest out of these to me. Um, yes. I think is where you were going with this. Yeah. Um, although I did I did think those were really cool. And I was impressed with like how good, not good, like how... Realistic. Yeah, yeah. How detailed yes. the, the textures on those cars are. Um, yeah. Because you passed one to me, because I, I time watched you and my girlfriend play it, and then I was like, okay, that's that's dumb, but it's kind of cool. And you're like, no, no, feel one of these. And I felt it, and I was like, oh, that does feel like a peach. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Do a good job of it. So, yeah, it's, um, it is good, but I think, um, the, the three, the three games that we have remaining on the list, just, you know, feel a little bit more fresher. Yeah. 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 Um, so, w- when it comes for to what we think our, our game of the year is, though. So, I think I would probably go with the perfumer on, on a personal level. I would be okay with that. I'd be okay with it as well. I'd probably personally yeah. lean more towards Mask of Anubis. Actually, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not having second thought. It was just, I just said the perfume and I thought, well, <laughs> Mask of Anubis had the VR. I think the VR and I think, really cool. You know what? I, yeah, I'm going to change. I think I'm going to... I might go Mask of Anubis, I think, because it is one of the better implementations I've seen of VR. Yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah, you try and agree with the man and then changes his mind. <laughs> exactly, I know, I know. Just in general, um, VR, you know, launched this year, has had kind of a rocky start, um, kind of underperformed in sales for a lot of people because they were expecting way too much of it, but doing okay in general. But in terms yeah. of games, it hasn't actually, there's been a handful of things that are really cool, but nothing massive. Massive um, Anubis. Is ahead of its time, I would say. Yes. Like more yeah. than just being innovative, like it's doing something that lots of games are going to end up doing in the future. Um, as Google's, um, I forget what they replaced cardboard with. It's like Google Dream or something like that. 
um, when their new headsets start hitting for their new Android phones, when um, you know Oculus and Vive have started kind of becoming a bit more well known, and when all this stuff's cheap enough and easy enough that you can just throw it out there and you know make cool games with this VR idea in it, I I think we're going to see a lot more of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. So our uh, most innovative board game of the year is Mask of Anubis, with runners-up being Bring Your Own Book and The Perfumer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy with that. Yeah, there's another solid list. Cool. Um, so uh, next we have our most anticipated board game of the year. So Which looks d- like I d- it's going to be very quick. Yeah, we, we don't have... We've just kind of written things down, so yeah. we're not going to have a winner. We're just mentioning things that we think... Um, yes, yeah. So there was... Uh, we were actually looking through stuff before we started, and um, there was a game that uh, I didn't know existed, and Kieran had picked up on it, and that is Flatline. Yeah. I, I saw this. I hadn't heard of it either until I was looking at this stuff. Um, Flatline is a sequel. Well, like, they don't say it's a sequel. It's a it's set in the same universe as Fuse, and it's a dice rolling cooperative game where instead of defusing bombs like in Fuse, you're treating patients. You're like uh, performing surgery and stuff like that, um, and you're basically trying to clear out emergencies at an ER before time runs out. So kind of similar idea, but with a different theme and some hopefully some new mechanics. It's looking yes. at, like, it's got a list of components and stuff like that. There's a bunch of cool, completely different mechanics, so it seems like it's a bit bigger a game, which, as we mentioned earlier, I, I really like Fuse, so yes, I'll, happily, yeah. I'll happily get a, you know, a yeah. medical-themed one. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. So that is that is coming out on uh, in April. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yes. Um, so uh, one of the other games uh, we've got here is Gloomhaven. So Gloomhaven is a fantasy card playing game. Uh, we kind of touched on it. Uh, it is it's set in a, a fantasy universe, and it has this campaign. And it's uh, got legacy type elements in it. Um, I except I don't think you actually destroy anything. Yeah, it seems more like the kind of campaign that you're playing through, kind of. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, that Conan yeah. came out this year. Yeah. So it was a Kickstarter, but it was one that uh, I didn't back. Um, and like you said, I think it is going to be one of those where I didn't fancy it when I when it was out. In, on Kickstarter and it's going to be a case of when it comes out I'm going to be desperate to get my hands on a copy and it is one of those super expensive games as well uh-huh. yeah yeah big one. yeah especially with game prices going up yes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, one of the other games I I don't have it listed here but I'll mention it quickly as well uh Speaking of Kickstarters, one of the games I am looking forward to coming out this year is a game called uh, 
I've forgotten. Uh, it's a, a, a board game version of a video game. It's um, This War of Mine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's good. Yeah. yeah, so that is looking absolutely good. I've, uh, I backed it on Kickstarter, and that should be coming out around uh, about May time, I think. This War of um, Mine is also free on PlayStation Plus, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, it's a cooperative game where you are cooperatively t- making decisions about the entire household. You're not taking uh, control of one character. Um, everyone is has a dis- when it's your turn to make a decision. You're making a decision of the entire household rather than just one individual character. Yeah. Um, and the rule book is the the mechanism that you pass around the table. Um, so, you know, the first time the rule book comes to you, Paul, you might be taking care of the day phase when it comes around to you. The next time you're taking care of the foraging phase. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and it's got quite a lot of innovative things in it. And, uh, yeah, just looking forward to getting my hands on that one. Cool. So, yeah. Is there anything else that we are looking at? Uh, there's Dragon's Gate College, which we don't actually know a whole lot about just now, but it's by the guys that made uh, Kill Shakespeare, um, which I've had on my show for a long time and haven't actually played, but I've heard good things about. Um, but it's a it's a dice drafting game where you're building up uh, your Stop me if you've heard this before. Uh, you're in a magical college, and there are four houses that are kind of, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, competing with each other, and you're kind of building up your house. Um, but yeah, they, they haven't. There's no rules for it or anything yet. It's just kind of a basic description, but it, it has yeah. a cool sound. I I like drafting mechanics. It's kind of one of those like as someone who's only, you know only been playing board games for a short amount of time now. Getting more, obviously, but um, I hadn't actually played that many games that use drafting mechanics. Like, I only played Seven Wonders for the first time this year. Uh, right. I played, you know, uh, Between Two Cities this year, that kind of stuff. Um, and I think it's, they're just cool mechanics, and Enish used it really well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I've, any any game that tries to use drafting mechanics in a cool way is interesting in my book. So, cool. Yeah. Look forward to Dragon's Gate College. Cool. Excellent. Um, cool. So uh, one of the other games that we've got listed here that um, I think you are looking forward to this one as well, Kieran, and I think Paul is as well, which is Charterstone. So Charterstone is the new game that's coming from Jamie Stegmeier. That's the guy that made Scythe and Stonemaier Games. Uh, Stonemaier Games quickly becoming one of my my favourite companies anything they're doing at the moment I'm kind of looking at and paying yeah. very close yeah. attention to so Charterstone is going it's a a Euro style game where you are building cities but it's going to be a legacy game so the, the cities and everything that you do are going to evolve and change there will be lasting effects to anything that you do. So you'll be um, ripping up cards, changing the board, changing tiles and things as you play the game. But 
at the end of the day, it's going to be a, a bit like uh, Risk Legacy was in that at the end you're going to have this board or this game that you created and you shaped and changed and you're able to play, you know, just take it out of the box and play, but you have shaped and created the board and you've um, had an influence on what rules, you know, happen in certain areas and things like that. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to that one. Yeah, this is the most I've heard of it. <laughs> I can't yes. oh, right. <laughs> It's like a Euro game with legacy mechanics. I was like, yeah, all right, cool. I'm on. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on. Let's go. It's like, by the guy who made guy made Scythe. It's like, okay, he made a big, weird Euro game that kind of disguised itself as a war game and made me like it, so, fine. <laughs> I'm in. Cool. Um... I think that's it. There's uh, a, a couple of Kickstarters that I've backed that I'm waiting on. Um, there's yeah. one called Five Minute Dungeon, which is uh, it, it's got a little bit like um, Fuse that I'm looking forward to. But I think we've covered most of the, the big things. Oh, um, Fugitive by um, Tim Powers, the guy that made the uh, Oh, Rack. yes. It's a yep. two-player um, asynchronous, not asynchronous, um, asymmetrical a uh, game where one person is a fugitive trying to escape from the police and one person is a police yeah. trying to chase them. Um, cool. Yeah, I, I forgot about that until you mentioned Kickstarter stuff and I was looking at my Kickstarter and I was like, oh yeah, that, that looks awesome. There was also um, that one that he that Tim Furrow's um, uh, Oh, the, 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 the spy one. Um, was it? Is this an area the, control one? Uh but it's oh, no, I was spelling is the half Yes, the spelling one, yeah. One. Um, no. the, he kind of described it himself as like a spiritual successor to paperback, but it's like Scrabble merged with a kind of area control game, um, which yeah. sounded cool. I just didn't have money to back it at the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a good year for games. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Cool. So that is us. We are now down to brass tacks. We are. So, yeah, we're down to our game of the year, our board game of the year. But before that, should we go through our individual board games of the year? Yeah, let's do that. I think we should. Cool. Excellent. Paul, what are your board games of the year? Okay, so in reverse order, going from five down to one, although it's... This could easily be changed around for me. <laughs> it really could when I'm sitting looking at it. I could put pretty much anything I've got there in, in slightly different places and it would still be fine with me. Yeah. But anyway, at number five, I've got Hand of the King, which I've only got to play the once. Really simple, but super, super fun. Um, after that, I've got Nitwit, which I think... Also yeah. features on other people's as well. Yeah. No, um, for just being a super fun game. I do want to say really simple, but at times it's not. I'm terrible well, at Nitwit. <laughs> <laughs> Nitwit falls into, so you know how we were talking about the bring your own book. And yeah. it, it fills that gap of you be, if people want to play something like um, Cards Against Humanity, but good. 
Yeah, you know, you would bring yeah. out bring your own book. You bring out Nitwit and, and Nitwit. Like Nitwit's fantastic, and it's it's super simple to set up and super easy to set up, but it can be really hard to play depending <laughs> on how much brain power you have at that moment. Uh, after that, I've got Around the World in Eighty Days, which is the uh, the one you brought back from Essen, Mike. Yes, yeah. So that's the reimplementation of Hare and Tortoise. Yep. I really, really enjoyed that. It was really fun. I love the mechanic where you felt like you, you could be right at the back, but within a couple of turns you could be at the front. Um, that kind of really interested me, and where I ended up coming from the back was pretty cool. After that, I've got Insider, which is another game you brought back from Essen, and I've only got to play a couple of times. But it was just, the, the entire premise was really good, and I'll never forget that time where I guessed it without any questions whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, my game of the year for board games is actually um, Hop, which is a really, really fun party game that is designed super, super well. A dexterity game, too. It is. Yeah. It is. Um no other board game I've played can have you lying on your back in a chair to try and loop a hoop around someone's finger. Yeah. <laughs> the best art or production of 2016. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Undisputed. <laughs> right, Mike? Um, Undisputed. Sorry, my, my phone's going. I'm, I'm not able to answer you at the moment. <laughs> no, I'm, after seeing Mechs and Minions, I would change that if we went back and fixed it. <laughs> Um, exactly. Yeah, uh, Kieran, what's your uh, board games of the year? So, uh, in fifth place, I have Fabled Fruit, which again we've talked a lot about already. Um, uh, yep. I've only played it a couple of times, admittedly, but it's just a cool, really easy, lightweight version of like a legacy game, and the ability mm-hmm. to reset it is awesome because it means you can easily play it with different people, and it kind of stays as just a game that you can pull out every now and again as a I think it's a good kind of you know warm up game in a lot of ways um, yeah. and it's one that changes as it goes so it's a different warm up game every time which is just awesome and also looks real pretty um, which is a theme in my list <laughs> uh, fourth place I have Netwit which again we've talked about a bunch it's a you know, little party game it's got those cool wool you know things that you're Spilling all the wool up, and you're putting them out, and you're going, "Oh man, I've got this word that's got to be blue and historical." It's like I don't know. Blue historical, <laughs> sharp, <Yeah>. uh, light. <laughs> uh, it can be a disaster, but it's a lot of fun. And living, don't forget living. Yeah, Netway is the kind of game that I will be taking like to my family and stuff like that, and be like, "Hey, I know you guys don't really play board games, but come on, try it out." Um, third place I have Inish um, yep. I just thought again the the theme that we have been getting a lot of recently of um, taking war games and simplifying them down to the point where they're actually fun has been a, a good move for board games recently I think and Inish is kind of one of the better ones where it's you know they took the thousands of things you can usually do in a war game and reduced it down to card drafting. And uh-huh. it works great. Um, and then also, again, it's really pretty. The board's cool. 
Uh, it's taking place out beyond Baker Street, which, again, been on about a lot. And it's, you know, it's that cool cooperative thing that I, I really like cooperative games when they're done really well. Um, I don't think... I think I'm a bit pickier about cooperative games than a lot of other people are, but I, Beyond Baker Street just kind of clicked with me, and I, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and then my number one is Star Wars Rebellion. The massive Star Wars war game that came out early this year that yeah. I have played multiple times in, like, three-hour sessions each time, and it has not gotten old. It's, no. It's just so satisfying to, you know, play as the Empire and, you know, invade every planet and get boots on the soil just to try and figure out if the rebels are there or not and start, you know, firing your Death Star at random planets because you feel like it. Um, yeah. It's awesome. I, I really love Star Wars. Yeah, that's Excellent. my list. Cool. So, oh. my, ga- my game of the year list was... Um, on the board games anyway, I think it's my hardest list that I've ever done. Um, last year, uh, Kieran, last year you had, you agonised over your your video game list. Yeah. I don't know how many times, and I, I was the same this year. So I had Nitwit in at my number five at one point, and then I took it out. And the reason I took it out was because of Mechs vs. Minions. Um, yeah. That is, it would be higher on my list, but I haven't played it enough. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason uh, that Scythe didn't make my list. Right. Because <clears throat> I really enjoyed that game we played, but it's all I've played of it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, it is just absolutely stunning. We've spoke about its quality and... Um, just the, the the fun of the programmable movement, um, the cooperativeness and everything, fantastic. Um, Fabled Fruit was my number four. Uh, you spoke about that as well. I I do like the whole um, Fabled system that they call it, but it's it's basically it's when you you first when I first heard about it, I thought oh it's it's a bit like an advanced um, Machikoro or you know, a twist on um, the the card game uh, Flux. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, it. but it's it, it's got a bit more structure than those, um, and I do like the the whole resettable thing. So I recently did that as well after the uh, the game that we played. I reset the game back to normal as well mm-hmm. to you know to start fresh. Oh, yeah. And it's great that you can do that, um, and you can keep a record of, you know, the different setups for different people and things like that as well. Yeah, I think that's um, right. So it's re- it, it is really cool. Um, my number three is um, a game that we spoke about a hell of a lot here as well, which is Scythe. Um, I did. I yep. got to play um, the game with Kieran. We never got to finish it, but I loved. I loved that, and then I've been playing um, solo as well. But the, it's the engine builder that does it for me. You are building, you know, you've, you've got this engine where you're upgrading components, and so when you first start, you may be only able to produce, you know, um, one or two things on your turn. By the time 
that you've, you know, if you work on your engine and upgrade things and pay money in certain places, you can end up um, getting, you know, producing lots of things. Or you can end up with a team of eight workers where you normally start with a team of three. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it's just, uh, you know, it's got this war element to it as well, but it, for me it was the engine building. And just the amount of strategy and the amount of time that you can put into uh, thinking, right, this is what I'm going to do at first. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try and get all my workers out on the board. After that, I'm going to try and build all my mechs. And you've got this strategy and you try and follow it. And then it will get, the strategy will get, will have to change because um, somebody may take a, a piece of land that you need or yeah. somebody might try and attack you. Um and it's a yeah, it's just got this uh, solid strategy, and then all of a sudden from left field it can change, and you need to adapt to what everyone else around you is doing. You also be, need to be mindful of what they're doing as well, because at the end of the day, it's a race to get so many um, prestige points out on the board, and because once the final prestige point, uh, somebody places their final prestige point, their final star. That triggers the end game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, really, really like it. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, and it's got all those lovely components, and you can buy the metal coins. It's great. Uh, my. <laughs> oh, they are. Uh, my second. My, so, my number two game of the year is. Kieran, it's your number one. It's Star Wars Rebellion. Damn good. I, oh, amazing. Absolutely amazing. I um, the only reason that I didn't make it my number one is I love it. I love everything about it. The strategy, two-player game. You can spend an entire day playing that game, and uh, it doesn't feel like a chore when you're doing it. Once you've finished the game, you go, "Oh, well, that was great," and then you look at your watch and go, "Oh, fucking hell, what, <laughs> what happened there?" Um, yeah. But the reason it wasn't my number one is because I haven't. I haven't played it enough. You know, yeah. I, I've had three games, I think, um, and it is—it's just one of those that you—I haven't been able to get it to the table enough. But I absolutely love it, um, and can't wait to play more of it. Um, again, it's—it's it's the whole strategy, and it has—I uh, still need to play it as the rebels because it has that kind of hidden—you know—the hidden, the, you know, the hidden yeah, movement the hidden element. Movement. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it's got that letters from Whitechapel feel about it as well. Mm-hmm. So, excellent. And my my game of the year is Inish. Um, not surprising. Yep. No, 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 I, no, not surprising at all. I absolutely loved it. The, um, the card drafting is amazing that, uh, you know, it does it with so few cards. Most card draft, or most drafting games, use a huge stack of cards. To mix things up, um, and where at Seven Wonders, Seven Wonders uses a deck of fifty cards before you know when it starts things off. Inish uses, um, depending on the number of players, if you're playing with um, either twelve or sixteen cards, whether you're playing with three or four players, um, it's just yeah, I cannot say enough about that game. Um, 
you can play that one of the other things that I love about it is that you can either play it aggressively or you can try and be sneaky and try and sneak all your players on the board um, and yeah just absolutely stunning I love it every time we get to the table I find it easier and easier to teach every time we play and yeah it's going to be a game that just gets played quite a lot I think cool so game of the year game of the year yep so it is um, it's Celestia and then we'll all go home it's a fake house go to New York <laughs> that's not even this year yeah but it was in one of the categories from this year so that, that, that. yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we need to start building basically kind of a short list in there so I think um, are we doing a I top think 5 so. like with the video games yes I think so yes that makes sense so so any should be on there because it was on multiple lists. Yes. Yeah. Um, Going with cool. that, Star I Wars should be on there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think. Yep. Definitely. I think Nitwit should be on there. Um, I don't put on my list. But I think Hop should be on there as well. I really like Hop. <laughs> yep. Uh, I would put Hop on there. I would definitely. I. I think I'd put Mask of Anubis. Um, it came up a good few times. It did, it did. Well, I do think a good starting point is the stuff that was in our top fives. I think yes. It's very clear those are the ones we cared about the most. Although, obviously, other stuff will come in as well, like Mask of Anubis. And, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I know Mike's going to want Scythe in there. Oh, yeah. I want Scythe in there. Paul, you need to come up here for a day and play Star Wars. Okay. Um, it, w- it will be a day, though. <laughs> it is, it's a big game. Yeah, it is one of those, and it's not. Uh, it's not. Oh, we can play Star Wars and. Um, no, it's no. It's like a short thing before it, like something to warm me up. But then, yeah, it's like something short for a round, and then you're in Star Wars for the rest of the day. Uh, right. I think. Uh, I don't know if I'm missing anything. Uh, This is a great podcasting. You're just oh, doing yeah, yeah. basic kind of keyboard. You're missing, um, you're missing one of the things from your list that uh, mix, uh, mix versus minions. Mix versus minions yeah. Oh yeah, we're discussing a list. No one see. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I'll say about Star Wars Rebellion uh, before we go much further is um, the components are not very high quality. They very much went for the quantity over quality with them. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, they're alright, they're not bad, they're, they're good quality, they're just not, they don't stand out. Uh, the, the little cardboard things that the hero units are made of that have little stands are garbage. They are the worst fucking thing. Um, and they just tear, and they're awful. Yeah. And it's annoying. There was someone on I'm... Board Game Geek who replaced all theirs with Lego figures, and I really want to do that. Oh wow, really? Yeah. Nice. They replaced them with Lego figures and they used um, they used other Lego blocks to make little stands for them, and uh-huh. then stacked up little uh, you know the little kind of round transparent uh, Lego blocks. 
Oh, yes. <laughs> they use those um, as the markers to let you tell uh, the stats of that hero. Oh, right, okay. So it basically has all the stuff that those little cards have on them, but they're little Lego blocks. And I really want to do that because that seems really cool. They <laughs> <laughs> uh, should sell that as an expansion. I'd buy that. Cool. So, the Lego um, expansion. Yeah. <laughs> right, so I don't know. Uh, I think we're missing some still. Uh, yes. Yeah, well, um. Right. Uh, yeah, I just put it in. So I I will run through what's here, and then we can uh, kind of add and take away. So we've got Star Wars Rebellion, Inish, Litwit, Hop, Mask of Anubis, Fable Fruit, Scythe, Insider, Around the World in 80 Days, Game of Thrones, Hand of the King, Max vs. Minions, and Beyond Baker Street. Yep. Now we need to start cutting them down. Yes. Yeah. I think Star Wars needs to be on this list. Yeah. Yeah, no. Star yeah. Wars is the kind of most middle of the road in the in terms of um, how far it goes from being a, a war game and being accessible. You know, whereas things like yeah. Inish and stuff like that go really far towards the accessibility, whereas you know they replace most of the kind of wargaming aspect with, you know, drafting cards. Um, uh-huh. yeah. Star Wars Rebellion is kind of less of that. It's still a step more towards an actual kind of big wargame to the point where it's just, you have all this kind of cool stuff you can do. Um, and the fact that it's asymmetrical is awesome. It's just so good. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, um. I think, you know, in terms of being everything that we decided, uh, everything we've talked about, I think Nitwit should needs to be within, you know, within within that top five as well. Yeah, it's yeah. a game that all of us really enjoyed. Yeah, uh, I think like the video game list is going to end up being very much, in a lot of ways, things that we all kind of enjoyed, or at least enjoyed yes, that yes. Video. I know Paul hasn't played a lot of these. Because um, um, otherwise our list would just be Paul's list because Paul's list is the list of games we've all played. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Just, just put Paul's um, top five in there. It's fine. Sorted. <laughs> um, I mean, I'd I mess that around a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think, um, I think Fable Fruit... I think Fable Fruit's a strong maybe because there's... Of other stuff in here. Right, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm not hearing other people giving me I suggestions don't think, here. Uh, I don't think Insider should be on the list. I don't think it's. Like I, it's I, yeah. It's good. I enjoy it. Um, it's but not. in comparison to what's left, yeah, I don't think it's, yeah. a, I don't think it's a strong. Uh huh. No. I would also say maybe take away Hand of the King, although it's a a really fun game. It's nothing we haven't seen before. 
No, um, it is getting a hell of a lot of buzz on the on the internet at the moment, and people are now discovering that it's a decent game, and as such, you cannot get your hands on it. No, you can't get your hands on it for love of the money because I've tried. Yeah, um, but no, I yeah, I'd be I'd be happy to remove that. Um, I think. Uh, I think Inish needs to be there. I think it does. I'm happy with Inish oh, being in there. Right. I really like Inish. Um, it does a lot of things super successfully. Um, I see Hop is also being added to this list. Yes, yeah. So we can we can argue those uh, when we get yep. to them as yeah, well. True. Um, I think Around the World in 80 Days, as much as I like it, um, I it's don't think it's... not top five. Yeah, I, I don't think it's in the top five games of the nah, year. Let me and tell you why it's not in top top five games of the year. Let, let me guess, because it used the cards. Because the money, money is cards. What is this bullshit? <laughs> Half-assed, <laughs> fucking cut that game. <laughs> um, I really like that game. <laughs> cool. so, so salty. Yeah. So currently we are looking, we've got Star Wars Rebellion, Nitwit, Inish, Hop, Mask of Anubis, Fable Fruit, Scythe, Mechs vs. Minions, and Beyond Baker Street. So Mechs vs. Minions, as much as I like it, it's getting a lot of love on the internet and everything at the moment, but not, I'm, excuse me, I'm the only one that's played it, so I think, you know, we don't need to have it on our list. Yes. It has every... Everyone knows it's a fantastic game, um, but we can't really put our names behind it because yeah. not not all of us have played I mean, it's, it. It's one of those things where I think if um, if there's a game here that only one person has played, but they feel incredibly strongly about it, then it should get on there anyway. But I, yes. I feel like you feel as strongly, if not more strongly, about other games up there sitting here. Yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, so Scythe is Scythe is one in particular I, I think um, it's absolutely fantastic I think it needs to be there um, and uh, Kieran is adding things into the list surreptitiously here so um, Doom yeah 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 I didn't play that Doom board game <laughs> no um, I heard it was quite good though yeah I, yes, I, I believe the miniatures are absolutely gorgeous on it and yeah. it is a it's a better implement, implementation of um, the the game mechanics that are in Descent yeah, and it's, it's uh, Imperial of, Assault. It's a better version of the first Doom game, which was a version of Descent. Yeah. 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 Cool. So, Beyond Baker Street, one of our top five games of the year, do you think? I really love Beyond Baker Street. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, obviously from my list, I enjoy it a lot more than a lot of other games on this list. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think it's there. Um, so, Mask of Anubis. Do would Mask of Anubis need to be on our, our top five games of the year? I don't think it does. Um, it didn't make any of our, our top fives. Um, no, and I, no. I get put it on here as a kind of theoretical because it was an awesome kind of cool thing 
Yeah, and it's been in quite a lot of our, our other lists as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm actually looking through some of our previous lists to see if there's anything else that needs to be considered. Um, like Deep Sea Adventure, can you throw it here? Deep Sea Adventure was is good. Is it the top five games of the year? If no, no I don't think I don't think so. The last Friday most definitely does not. Need to be here. No, no, hundred <laughs> percent no. Bring your own book. Um, yeah, no, I think Via Nebula. Via Nebula was good, but it. I think if I had actually managed to buy a copy, because it went out of print very quickly and then got really expensive, and then it's only recently started coming down in price again. Uh-huh. Um, if I had actually got a copy and got it to the table a bunch of times, I actually suspect that Via Nebula would have been on my personal list. Um, right. But I just haven't played it enough to know. Because yeah. This is Via Nebula is a, it's a, it's a decent strategy game, but there are better games out there. You know, and that's not, that is not, Seeing anything derogatory again, you know, they're just not better games, I think. If you had to Um, give it a score out of 10, what would you give it? If I had to give it a score (laughs) out of 10, I would probably give it. um, 7. See, that's like most of your review done. Sorry? I said that's most of your (laughs) review done. Exactly, yes. (laughs) Right. So we have a list of seven games. We need to cut another two from this list. So we need to cut two from Star Wars Rebellion, Nitwit, Inish, Hot, Scythe, Yon Big Street, and Fabled Fruit. Yeah. Uh, Uh, I mean... I, I, I would, I would happily see Hop go. It's had a mention. It's great. It's a fun party game. It's really cool dexterity game. Really high production values on the little figures. But um, I can still let it go. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with Hop, but I, I don't necessarily. See it as one of the top five games of the year, personally. But right, okay. So if we got that, I I still like the idea of having having something light with it, you know, within our top five. Yeah, oh, and yeah I, I think would keep Netwear there. Yeah, exactly. That's what Netwear's yep. there for. I think. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, we can cut fabled fruit. Is what you're saying. <laughs> Well, I, I'm looking at it, um, and I think if it came to a choice of keeping either Scythe or Fable Fruit, Fable Fruit is fantastic. It's it made my top five. Um, I think we could get if we got rid of Scythe and kept Fable Fruit. It would be, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be the popular choice if you have a look <laughs> at, you know, the, the internet has has picked side over fabled fruit. But yeah. at the end of the day, would we be willing to do that? I, uh, what, what, so I've not played as much of Scythe as I want to play. 
but I'd also say I've not played as much Forbidden Fruit as I want to play. Yeah, um, yeah. I I do think Scythe is the is the better game. It's more in depth. You can It's something I can get my teeth into. I'm fine with keeping Scythe and getting uh, Forbidden Fruit. Yeah, as much as I love Forbidden Fruit. Yeah. Okay. Okay, okay. So Scythe has those cool cards when you go to the 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 campfires and you get to make those decisions. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those are pretty Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. So, uh... See, you've instantly put Nowhere at number five here, which is a good, a good spot for Nowhere, <laughs> I think. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely a good spot for Nowhere. I, th- I think so. I, de- I definitely think so. Um... I would probably put Beyond Baker Street at four, as much as I love Beyond Baker Street. Yeah. Um, that would be... would be quite good with that. Um, and then I think as a consensus, I think if we put Inish in at our number two slot, that would mean that by default, and I think... I always thought most... you were going to put these in here just as the way your top three is. <laughs> just <feeling. laughs> hey. Yeah, I... I think Star Wars Rebellion is the best game that came out this year. Yeah, I I, I, I think I think you would agree, Paul, if you had played it. <laughs> if I if I purely on the premise of what you guys are saying, I I tend to agree anyway. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think we showed it. I, I think we showed it to you when you were here as well, and just to show yes. you, and the fact that you are playing. You're playing all the events of the three films, but you're mixing them in, in various orders, and you're getting very other characters to do things. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. In, in terms of an experience for Star Wars fans, it is, it's definitely, it, it's a long, hard slog, but it is worth it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and you've got that, you know, uh, one of the most rewarding things about it at the end of the day is that that conversation you're having. Remember when we did this, and uh, when, when you were hiding on Yavin, and I went straight past it. Uh, you know, and it is you're, you're talking about the game for ages and ages um, afterwards. Yeah, like I so, yeah I play with a lot of the guys at my work, and we still occasionally like he will just bring up last time we played where. Kind of the only reason I won was because I had the Death Star over the the Rebel base, and he didn't have what he needed to destroy the Death Star, so his ships all had to retreat. And then it was like, "Well, I'm gonna blow up your base. Goodbye." <laughs> so yeah. The entire planet that your base is on. So it's a satisfying way yeah, to end the game. Yeah. Oh, the time that I played with. Uh... One of the times I played with Anne, and I had everything lined up. I was going to capture all the people. I had truth serums lined up, and I basically had three things to do, three missions to achieve, and it based the, the results of which would have forced her to tell me where the base was, and the Death Star was ready to go, and every single time I launched these missions, she fought them and beat them. I just had crap, crap rolls of the dice. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's one of those things where I'm not usually a big dice rolling person, but I do think that it 
works well there. Because you can kind of, most of the time you can stack the odds in your favour, so it doesn't feel like you have yes. fucked over when you get a bad roll. No, and, yeah. and, that, and that was it when I did get, you know, when I did get fucked over, it was like, what more can I do? There is nothing more I could have done. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was it was okay. Um, but yes, I am I'm happy. So our board game of the year is Star Wars Rebellion, with the numbers two through five being Inish, Side, Beyond Baker Street, and Nitwit. I like that list. Fine. Yeah, it's a good list. I feel a lot better about that top five than our video game one. <laughs> <laughs> And with that, that is that is game of the year 2016 done. It is. We want to thank everyone for listening to the last six podcasts and what now could probably be a total of close to about nine to nine to ten hours, maybe maybe it'll more. Be more. It'll be more than that because this is what the sixth one. So yeah, yeah, this is the sixth one. So yeah, it's yeah. probably closer to twelve fifteen. Yeah, yeah, 12 to 15 hours of our ramblings and debates. <laughs> this one itself was about three, so think about that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, you're still going to just listen to this and go, no, we're wrong. Yeah, exactly. Because we're always wrong. Opinions. <laughs> yeah. But, but um, if you think we were wrong, uh, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email and let us know. Yeah. We can do with that. So, yeah, is there anything else you need to add? No. Um, no. No. Just that cool. by the time you've finished all of these, we will be back to regular programming. By the time you've finished all of these, it'll be time for Game of the Year 2017. <laughs> yeah. It feels like by the time we finish recording, it's going to be time for Game of the Year 2017. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. So it is very late at night as we're recording this, so we are going to say thank you very much for listening to our drivel, like Paul says, for all this time. And we will see you when uh, normal recording resumes. Yes. Bye. Bye. So see you later.